everybody. It's the MPG Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Josh Mosler. This week I got Carl Spielvogel. Uh, Carl, oh, better known as Uncle Carl. Sorry, I can't miss that part. <laughs> Actually, I think I only knew you as Uncle Carl for a long time. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of funny. Um, when I first got into real estate giving uh, speeches and stuff, uh, I was telling people, uh, I, I used to have my um, nephews, I would tell them these real estate stories, these crazy real estate stories about this lady pointing a gun at my head, you know, uh, being chased by a motorcycle gang, all this stuff. So uh, I, it, somehow we just, I got, I just got known as Uncle Carl, you know, with telling these crazy real estate stories. And <laughs> so that's where the podcast name comes from. Yep. Uncle Carl's Crazy Real Estate Stories. Yep. For everybody that wants to know. Because you guys have uh, 28 episodes out right now? Something like that. We haven't put an episode in about two or three months we need to get back we've been very inconsistent <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to stay consistent on these yeah it can be proved challenging especially when you're doing you know real estate every day it's hard to remember to be like oh hey let's go record an episode because they're not necessarily profitable right away right like well they, they actually are because what happens is 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 i connect with a lot of people by telling them what we do then people call me up and sometimes we joint venture um, and a lot of great connections. So the podcasts are, I do it for fun. I love telling people the stories and, and hope, hopefully they will get a lot of people called me up and said, Hey, I've used some information you've taught on the podcast and made money. So I enjoy that part, but it, it's really good for connections and also to, to get, uh, get known. So then people bring you deals because you can say, Hey, I have an international podcast because I've got two people in Bulgaria that listen to it, you know, <laughs> so they're like, Hey, Uncle Carl's international podcast, you know? Yeah, I know. I always joke about it. Cause we have like, I don't know where these people come from, but which thank you to each and every one of you, but there's like people from like Australia and Brazil. Like how do the people find this stuff? I, I, I don't know. Uh, we got people from uh, Ireland, yeah. uh, Morocco, <laughs> all, uh, all over the place. Yeah. So. It's funny. Huh? It's weird. I wonder how they, I, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, in the beginning, I didn't really get a chance to tell people, yeah. but you're an investor out of Charlotte. Yep. Um, you've been investing there for a long time. Yep. Uh, what, what's your backstory? Well, what's the trajectory from 18 to right now? Uh, let's start when I was, uh, 18, I was working at a subway store and I went to college. So this is how I got into business. Okay. I was working at a subway store at Appalachian state in, uh, Boone, North Carolina. And the manager was, uh, trying to buy the store from the, uh, owner at the time. And he was making payments, but he's falling behind. He's like, Carl, you know, if you guys are interested, uh, I, I'm not gonna be able to make the payments. So the owner lived in Hendersonville and he was a real estate investor. And so we're like, okay, we'd like to buy the store. He's like, okay, I, I don't want it. I'm just tired of it, uh, but I need 35,000 cash. Well, we went, I went to my mom. I went to all, everybody and said, hey, look, we have this opportunity to buy this subway. It's a great deal. We just need 35,000. They're like, well, that seems like a good deal. And we had a plan how we're going to turn it all around, but, but we're not going to give you any money. So no one would give us any money. <laughs> and then, you know, luck played into our hands. The manager walked out. The store was closed for two days. And I called up the owner in Hendersonville and I said, hey, look, your store's been closed for two days. The manager's disappeared. I still want to buy your store, but I only have $1,000. He's like, get in there, open the, I can't say what he said. Right, he cussed, yeah. like go to the sailor <laughs> and then I'll sell it to you for $1,000. So I dropped out of school just on a handshake deal just during exams, last week exams, I didn't go to, jumped in there and we took over the store and I had another problem. I didn't have a thousand dollars. 
So I got a partner <laughs> to put the $1,000 in, and I threw in my Volvo station wagon, and we worked out the contract over Christmas, and we bought the store for $1,000 down, and he financed it for us. Dang. So that, that sort of taught me the, the, the creative financing. I didn't know that you could do that, you know, and that's where I learned about creative financing. And you're how old at this point? Uh, 21. Okay, so you learned it young. Yeah. Really I mean, young. We learned how to do this young just, just by accident. But I think a little bit was luck, but it's also being there and, and asking the questions and taking action. We just jumped in. I mean, it's crazy. On a handshake to quit school and go open it that this guy's going to sell us the store. Yeah, why would you believe in it so heavy? Was there? I, I, I mean, guess I, maybe I was naive. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I just like, okay, let's just do this. And I dropped out of school. And um, But the thing was, I'd love to say, hey, we were some kind of brilliant turnaround specialist. But uh, – what really helped us is we called up the, the school newspaper and we got them, we, we said, hey, we're two students, we just bought a subway, can you do an article on us? So they, they, they sent somebody down, they did an article, two students buy subway, our sales went up three or $400 a day, everyone wanted to support us, and that's what helped turn it around. We would have gone out of business without that article, we would never have made it. Dang. And uh, then also another thing that helped in that is um, at the time subway wasn't baking their own bread, and so, um, and, and the rolls were more on the stale side. So um, my grandmother gave me a loan for $3,500 to buy a bread, bread oven so we could start baking our own bread. So that was part of the thing that helped. So, you know, luck, but you make your own luck, you know, and, and, and taking a risk. And we were able to turn the store around. And uh, that's how I bought my first subway. That's how I got into to business. So I didn't have any money invested. So you're a pioneer in uh, Subway baking its own bread. Yeah, we were one of the first. Uh, well, there, there was there was lot, they were starting to bake their own bread, but a lot of them didn't. So, uh, and they were just coming out with the bread baking program at the time. I think there was two hundred subways at the time. And know. this was like the eighties, uh, late eighties, early nineties. Yep, yep, probably eighty seven. I think it was. Okay, dang, I didn't, I didn't. How? I, and there was only two hundred stores. You said? Yeah, at the time it was around 200, 300 stores when I got involved. That's crazy. So then what happened? Well, then. Uh, after that, I wanted to open a bunch of stores. So I went to the Charlotte market, and that's where we got creative again. Uh, we would do all sorts of stuff, like we would go into um, the shopping center, and I would try to get them to do all the upfitting for a higher rent. And then I would lease the equipment. So the next store, I think, had about $25,000, $30,000 invested to open that store. And then we would do all sorts of, uh, like here's another example. A friend of mine, Brent, who worked at the subway in Chapel Hill with me, he called me up one day and said, hey, I hear you're opening subways. I'd like to own a subway, too. And like, Let's talk. And I said, hey, go to your mom, get $25,000, and we can go in partners. Well, he went to his mom, got $25,000. I leased the equipment from subway for $25,000. So I owned another half of a subway for a $1,000 deposit. You know, and then, then there's another store that was for sale. The guy wanted $74,000. And we're like, look. You know, we'll pay you that. We don't have all cash. And he goes, I need all cash. Well, a couple months later, he couldn't sell it. It's in an area that was coming up and up, but it hadn't gotten there yet. It was They're starting to build a lot of stuff around it. And he got fed up. And he says, okay, I'll sell it to you. How much do you have down? I'm like, we, we have 15000 He goes, okay. So at the time, our money was really tight. So what I did, now this is crazy. I didn't pay any of my bills. Okay, I ran up all my food suppliers, took that money, Put that for the down payment on the store, okay? 
And uh, then we got cut off from the food suppliers and, <laughs> and some of the people got mad at us. We almost had electricity cut off. And then we used the float. Okay, what happens is when you, when you open up another store, uh, at the time, you know, you've got two weeks before the, the payroll goes out and then you give checks and they take time to clear. So we're able to use some of the cash flow from the float to pay back the other stuff. So we were, we, I mean, we were just barely getting by. I can't believe we didn't end up bouncing any checks. Were you stressing out? Hell yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I was nervous as hell. You know, I, I was, you know, uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul. I mean, so that's how we got, got that store open. So it's just, it's just like all this sort of creativeness is how we were an, able to end up uh, uh, getting store after store, things like that. And you weren't in for really that much money when you think about it to have how many, that's sto- four stores at that point? Yeah, we ended up, I think, ended up with seven stores. Okay. And then what happened? Uh, I d- didn't exactly like the franchisor. They would put stores too close together. And what happened is you'd have once you'd start making money, then all of a sudden they put a store down the road and you would go from 7,000 a week down to 5,000 a week. So uh, I got fed up with it and I, I sold out and got out of it. And uh, how long did that, how long was that whole saga? I'm going to guess probably about 15 plus years in Subway. Well, okay. So it was yeah. a while actually. Yeah. I was in, in Subway for years. How long did it take you to go from one to two? Uh, one to two, probably about a year. Okay. So that's actually relatively fast. Yeah. Yeah. So you sell out and now you got all this money. And so now what do you do? Well then, um, after that, a friend of mine said, Hey Carl, uh, and this is actually why I still have my subway. He said, there's a guy named Ron the grand and he's teaching all this really cool real estate stuff. Why don't you come to a seminar? So I went to a seminar. I went to about three of Ron Legrand's seminars. They were incredible. It's really good stuff. Uh, and that's where I learned a lot of the other creative financing and different stuff is, is going to these seminars. And that really made a big difference, the, the, the education and uh, just, just all the different things they taught. It was, I, I love the creativeness from taking seconds back to 0% financing, subordination, all this different stuff. Uh, a lot of that I've learned from uh, Ron Legrand and I think Cameron Dunlop and people like that. And that was the, so this is in throughout the nineties, late nineties, yep, throughout the nineties. Yep. And so then what was the first investment property you bought out of that? Well, what happened was I told everybody, Hey, I'm going to be a real estate investor. I'm going to be a real estate investor. It took me nine months plus to get my first deal. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be a real estate investor. People say, Hey, how's it going? I said, I'm working on it. I still have my subway stores, but it took me nine months to get my first deal. And I got that through a realtor. Okay, and this was, and you still had the subway stores. Still had the, I actually, I still had some of the subway stores. I had, I had two in Seattle. Those, those ones did well, because uh, I had a. Um, let me tell you about how I how, yeah. what I did with the, these subways. And so I had stores in Charlotte. Then I moved to uh, Seattle to open up stores, and I, I opened up two stores there. And then I decided I want to go back to North Carolina, so uh, I got these partners, Rosie and Nazim great folks they were running subway stores and they just didn't have the capital to buy them i said well i'll give you 40 percent of two stores for no money down and i'll finance them to you and I'll also pay you a, a management salary so what happened is uh they came in and they they, they ran them they did i'm not really good i can't run I'm, i suck at running stuff i'm a terrible <laughs> operator i am I, i'm the guy that can put the big pieces together and come up with stuff i cannot run anything to save my life so anyways, I had Rosie and Nazim run one store. And, uh, Ro- Rosie ran one, Nazim ran the other. They did a phenomenal job. And those, those are the stores that I made money on. The w- other ones I had in, in Charlotte, they always had problems and issues because I couldn't, couldn't run them right. <laughs> so you, what was the breakdown on the first deal you bought? 
Oh, in the store in Boone? No, no. Oh. So once you bought your first real estate. Oh, real, real estate. estate. So yeah, we're, yeah. Okay. So we're past the, oh, well, past. we're kind of towards the end of the subway saga. Subway stuff, yeah. And you get into real estate. Uh, the, the first one was, uh, you know what? I remember the second one was one, uh, it was just a regular deal. It was an MLS deal. It had, uh, it was a house that was uh, put into three units. And my brother actually got him to get the loan for the property. And I put the down payment in. And we brought that for like fifty nine thousand. I think we sold it for three hundred and some odd thousand years later after we renovated oh, okay, it. Okay, okay. But I, I bought it in the path of progress is what I did. You know, it's like it was it's in Wesley Heights area is really going up in value. So I, uh, um, we we bought it there and then sort of rode the appreciation wave. Did you know that it was going to appreciate that much? Not not that much. We didn't. I mean, I knew it was going to appreciate, but not like that. Right. And so you guys rented it out. Was that the initial strategy, or yeah. what was your thought? What yeah, was, we're just rent it out, pay it off, just the the old school just buy the and standard, hold. Yeah, easy peasy. Yeah. Um, okay. And so you buy a couple of deals. How many deals? Uh, one point, uh, I think I had like twenty something properties. Okay. So I was I was doing some flipping and some holding, and I bought in all these areas that are going up, and I was borrowing money at fifteen percent, borrowing all this hard money loans, and uh, then two thousand eight came along. And I lost everything in 18 months, like $1.2 million, everything, all my subway money, everything I worked for was gone. Why? How'd you do? What'd you do wrong? Uh, well, first of all, I was a dumbass. Okay. <laughs> well, let's just, just like, you know, I was a dumb, I'd love to say it was because the economy changed, but I was buying for appreciation. Okay. At the time, I sort of was afraid of having too much money. It's weird. I don't explain this, but I'm like, I was, everything is about the future. Right. So I bought these things going, oh, they're going to be worth so much. I don't care that I'm negative cash flowing. I don't care that I have 15% interest because they're going up so much in value. So I had stuff all prime areas of Charlotte, and then we couldn't sell them. So then I had I had foreclosures. I worked with my lenders to get them sold, and we ended up um, uh, making sure all my – I'll mention Tyler McCracken was my lenders and uh, we're going to dinner with him tonight, by the way. Yeah, we are. And we worked with him. He was like, okay, Carl, it's time to sell this one. Okay, let's do this. And we worked our way out and, and, and we came out even, which was good. But uh, yeah, I lost everything in the 2008 downturn because I was buying for appreciation, not for cash flow. Okay. So for the newbies, lesson learned when you're buying property, don't speculate. Just whatever the numbers are hard right now. Well, I, I think you can buy for appreciation and I think you can speculate, but make sure you have income and money coming in because uh, I think there is something about certain, you know, and we're still doing this today. We're buying areas that are appreciating, but we're making sure we have enough capital coming in. And now I'm working with uh, uh, my partner retired last year, uh, Mitch, but he had deep pockets. So he had tons of cash. So that's some of the things I changed. I would tell people is I, uh, Make sure that it's good if you can work with somebody with deep pockets, try to build up your cash, and, 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 and cash flow is important too. But I do think you can speculate some. I do think that's, and we still do, <laughs> even though it bit me and took me down. <laughs> no hard and fast rules, like complicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you lose everything, 08, yep. 09, um, and then what happens? Uh, well, I was a dumbass, and then I became a double dumbass, okay? I went into the used car business with my ex-girlfriend, okay? So that's like really like, I go from being stupid to being stupider, okay? <laughs> so we opened this car dealership, and we're struggling, and we're doing all sorts of stuff that 
uh, I don't know if the statute of limitations passed, but in any case, we were doing a lot of beyond gray area I stuff yeah, to yeah. keep open. I won't go into, but I learned about floating cars on floor plans and all sorts of funky stuff. Uh, I hope I can't, the, anyways. So, <laughs> you know, it, it got it got so bad that we had to move into the dealership, okay? We had, it was her, our three dogs in the back uh, back room and so we're living in our car dealership, and that's illegal too. You're not; they don't allow that. But we're still living in the car dealership, All right? Uh, just living hand to mouth, doing the doing the used car business, and that that didn't work out very well. What? Why didn't that work? Why didn't the used car business work? Ah, uh, I don't think I knew enough about it, and it was a hard business. We did a lot of buy here, pay here, so we're also we're always repoing cars all the time in the middle of the night, and people weren't paying, and I don't think we. Um, vetted the people we put in the car into the cars as well as we should um i don't think i had the knowledge to do it and it's a tough business how did you get the money to start that one boy uh i think it was my ex-girlfriend's parents loaned us a little bit of money and then we just started with a few cars and we brought people in as partners who we'd buy and sell cars together and uh um, we ended up getting a one of the locations we ended up getting the guy gave us free rent um, and then just a percentage of the cars. We negotiated in no rent, okay, and just a percentage of the of the profits. So that that was a, that's how we were able to to get that going. You know, how do you negotiate all these deals? Like I feel like your whole it almost seems like you were just born with something that allows you to negotiate creative. I think it's it's always being curious and just talking to people and listening. You know, um, somebody had told us that this guy in Independence. He had had a car dealership there, and he lost the dealership, and he had, he had an Army-Navy store, and um, that he wanted someone to come in there. I don't know, somebody, you hear stuff, so like, okay. So I just went and talked to him, and I said, well, tell us what's going on. He goes, well, I had a car dealership. I had this guy come in, and it didn't work out, and we lost our license. And we just talked, and I said, well, right now, how much money's coming in from the place? Nothing. Well, how much money are you, so you have no money coming in at all, so you, right? Well, how would you like to get some money coming in? You know, how about we, we, we work something out? And uh, he liked me, and he said, okay, just you know, uh, we'll just just pay a percentage of the profits. So that 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 worked out uh, worked out well. And you walked into his office. You already knew that was gonna like. Did you already have that? No, I before? just went to talk to him and listen. And just impromptu as you were listening, you yeah. just were thinking in your head like, this is what we could do. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, how can we structure this? You know, and of course we didn't have hardly any money. You know, I think we had like eight or 10 cars. We were buying them illegally. I can say it illegally on the streets and, and, and selling them with open titles, which is against the law. <laughs> but uh, we, were, we were sitting there trying to survive. You know, we had to eat. So we're, you know, uh, you know, had to do what we had to do. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I just talked to him and said, you know, this is how about we do this? And he said, well, I've got all these other cars too that need to be fixed. And so you, you make sure they get fixed, and then you get part of the profits on those. So that's how we started uh, started there. And then you guys obviously went out of business. Well, we, well, we went from there. We found another location, cause location, and um, it's a, a place that had been sitting vacant with a sign for for like a year. So I called the guy up, and I was like, "Hey, we'd like to move uh, this location." And I kept talking to him, and he's like. And that place was a dump. It was a house. It was, but it was, you know, like there's ivy growing up all over it. And um, I guess other people tried to rent it, 
and it was part of his timing. And I just talked to him, and I and he, and, and uh, I said, well, you know, we, we want to move over. We're going to put most of our money into the cars. This place needs a lot of work. Uh, and he, he worked a deal where he said, well, if you paint the outside of it and clean it up, uh, I'll give you a couple months free rent. You know, so we put the deposit down, and then we got a couple free months rent, and we just we had to get all our friends. We came, we cleaned it up, and opened it up, and started working out of out of out of that. But it was just just it was just talking to somebody. I mean, he if he would have pulled my credit or would have looked, if he would have been smart and looked at us, he he would have said, "I'm not going to rent these guys. They have no money, no nothing." You know, but but I guess it was just talking to him being professional and the fact had been sitting vacant for so long he wasn't getting any income he's like well if these guys are cleaning it up hey what the hell i'll give i'll give it a try so are you moving locations every time then or you're saying you're opening multiple locations? no i was moving locations okay it didn't work out with the first guy right um so we moved we moved over to this this new location yeah okay and then and then and so that last location was your final stop yep for the car dealership okay so then what happens well what happened uh was uh one day my ex-girlfriend and i got in a really big fight and she kicked me out and so uh i had seven dollars in my pocket and all my clothes and everything is in the car dealership in the back bedroom okay and so and i didn't even have a car because we're using the putting the dealer tags on the different cars to drive which i don't <laughs> think is legal either but what the hell so we're doing that and so so she kicked me out. We got in this big fight. It was stressful. Think about it. You're, 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 you're doing all sorts of funky stuff to keep your business open. You're, you know, everybody's in, in your house all day long. The only piece is at night when, they, when the business closes. And you got dogs you got to walk during the day. So it got real stressful. And so I called my mom. I was crying. I'm like, Mom, Lisa kicked me out. I don't know where I'm going to go, what to do. And uh, she's like, well, I can't come get you today, but I can get you tomorrow. Well, luckily I called my friend Penny. She came, picked me up, let me stay at her house, and then drove halfway, met my mom. My mom picked me up. So I'm like 50 years old, at my mom's house, $7 in my pocket. Uh, <laughs> it, I wasn't feeling real good about myself at the time. <laughs> what kind of things were going through your head? Uh, I need to make some changes. <laughs> this, this, things aren't going the right direction. But I mean, you, so you were conscious enough, to, were you conscious enough to recognize what needed to change? Yeah, I, I, that I needed to get back into real estate. I needed to change my mindset and that um, this car dealership thing wasn't working out. And so what I did is I listened to a lot of Les Brown, uh, a lot of Brian Tracy, uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And, and I spent a lot of time just trying to get my mind back, you know, from, from being in that that dark place it wasn't horrible because i tell people i was living on my mom's couch well i had a nice room home cooked meals you know i got to hang my mom and stepdad so it was fun for, for a couple of months right uh but then i was like so i was on the phone calling everybody going trying to hustle up everything i was like okay i gotta how am i gonna live how am i gonna survive so um uh one of my friends uh he knew somebody who was uh in the credit card processing so I'm like, hey, look, I can get you business, da 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 da. Can you pay me referral fees? And I met with this girl Jennifer, and then I started just recommending people. So I make some money from that hustle, and then I ended up, um, I got in the GPS business for a little while. I was, I was like, I'm reading the car magazines, and this this new GPS company came out. 
So I called up the owner and I said, well, tell me about how this works. And he said, well, you need $5,000 and, um, you know, you can sell the GPSs. Cause like with a buy here, pay here business, there's a lot of, um, uh, you need to track the cars because people aren't paying. So there's a big demand for the GPSs. So they needed five. He needed. He said, "Okay." Uh, I told him, "Hey, I'm in the used car business, which I sort of was, sort of wasn't." <laughs> and you know, I wanted to, to do this. And he's like, "Okay." We had a good conversation. So I need five thousand dollars to 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 get that. Well, you know how much money I had? None. Right. So I had a friend of mine, uh, Jeffrey. I called up and went to dinner and said, "Hey, look, I got this opportunity. Will you loan me?" Uh, and I talked the guy down from five thousand dollars to twenty six hundred dollars to start. So I borrowed money from Jeffrey, a good friend of mine, and he loaned me the money to buy the GPSs to start doing the GPS business. So I was out hustling GPSs and cars, <laughs> just trying to trying to eat, you know. And, and were you was it working? It yeah, I made I made decent money enough to survive on that, and then I moved back to Charlotte, and uh, we had a there's a house across from my ex girlfriend that had been vacant for probably two years okay and I knew the guy Paul and we ended up I, I kept saying Paul rent me this place rent me the house and he goes nah I don't I really don't want to rent it he was just he was sort of skittish so after like a year of bugging him he said okay okay you can rent it for 450 bucks well I ended up getting a roommate okay and uh the rent was 450 so I was able to live there for really cheap so when I moved back to Charlotte from my mom's house uh, uh, I was living in this, this two bedroom, one bath house with a roommate, no central air, you know, <laughs> uh, we had a window unit and, uh, uh, my mom had given me, in addition to doing the GPS, my mom had given me like $1,100. So. And you're in your like mid fifties. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fifties, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so I budgeted out at $125 a week between rent and everything to spend. So like. I would treat myself to a McDouble at the time it was a dollar nine plus water that, you know, and then I called up a lot of my friends to see what kind of food I could get from them and what kind of stuff. And I didn't realize that Campbell's made a cream of celery soup and people don't like that. So I got a lot of cream of celery soup, ramen noodles. <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I was super creative to survive during that time. And so, and every day you're just, what, you're just going to use car dealerships and just selling your GPS Sell, Selling the GPSs. And I started going to the real, this is when I started to get back in the real estate. I went, I went to, uh, I started going to the real estate meetups again. So I was like, I need to get back into this. This is, this is what I was good at. And I was going to the different real estate meetups and I ran into uh, Mitch. Uh, we had done some business together. We'd known, known each other. I'd helped him on some deals. And we were talking, he said, Carl, if you can find this guy and get this under contract, I'll give you half the deal. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So we were, what we did then is we Googled, I, uh, we Googled him and uh, pulled up the resume, his resume. And at the time, I was worming my way back in with my ex-girlfriend and helping her with the car business. You know, oh, really? yeah, yeah, we we <laughs> we didn't patch things up, but you know, I was working with her some and helping out and doing a little bit with that. Um, very rocky, rocky situation. <laughs> um, could you imagine? I mean, think about it. We were at the before I moved. We're living in a, in a, in a uh, the car dealership in the back room with three dogs i mean we didn't have a kitchen we had to i mean cook in the microwave slumming it it was it was, it was bad so 
Where was I? I have ADD. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Both of us together, this is not going to be good. Uh, well, let me ask oh, you. You're about yeah. to get into uh, the deal the with estate. your friend where you're yeah. going to find that dude. But before you do that, yeah. um, you got out of the used car business, but aren't those people that have all your cars still paying every month? Um, well, you, she took over that part. She got some of the payments, but we, we ended up losing a lot of money. And oh, it was okay. Pretty, pretty bad situation. Did a lot of people get like a lot of free cars or what? Uh, there's some people that still, yeah, <laughs> they got some free cars. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. So you, you find you, your friend says, find this, find this dude, uh, find this guy. Okay. And then just the car dealership was still going on. And I was, I was worming my back in with Lisa at the car dealership. So we Google them. And the guy's a used car turnaround specialist. No way. That's what he does. Okay? What are the odds? So I'm like, hmm. So I was like, so I took all my last money and I said, hey, I called the guy up. I said, hey, look, we have a used car dealership. We're struggling. It's uh, We're barely making it. Can you come help us out? And uh, I said, look, I only got 500 bucks. Can you come? He said, yeah, okay. I'll come up for the weekend and help you out. So I paid this guy $500. He drove up from Columbia to Charlotte. And I got to know this guy just in hopes to get this deal. So, I mean, I'm scraping every, even just every bit of money I can so I can uh, bring this guy up just to get to know him. So he comes up and I'm talking, I said, do you own any properties in Charlotte anymore? You know, and he's like, no, I don't. I'm like, oh, okay. And so um, I called Mitch up and said, hey, Mitch, you know that guy you've been trying to find? He goes, yeah, he's in my office. He goes, what? So Mitch drove over met him and said this is one of my buddies mitch he does real estate they shook hands but what happened was i sort of get to got to know him he drove back to columbia then i called him when he went back to columbia and I said hey by the way um mitch found out you own a property in charlotte still it's going to tax sale he goes huh someone just called me about that I'm like, oh really they offered me thirty-five thousand dollars for the property i'm like well, you know us. We'll match that price. We'll come down right now and sign the contract. He's like, okay. So we, I, I called Mitch up. Get in the car. He goes, why? So we got to go sign this contract. The guy's going to sell it to us for thirty-five thousand. So, so Mitch came, picked me up. We drove to Columbia, took him to lunch, signed the contract to buy the property for thirty-five thousand dollars. And uh, so it's like, cool. You know, this is our first deal together. I found the guy. Um, Sort of got lucky. I was crazy to, you know, to, 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 <laughs> yeah. to hire the guy, you know, when money I don't have. And uh, did he help turn around your used car business? He did. He helped some. He, oh, made, really? he, made, he made a difference. Okay. He did. He had gave us some good things that helped us to extend the life of a, of, of a dying patient. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we're, so now we got it under contract for 35000 and then we close it out. So I'm all excited. And then uh, how much did you make on that first deal? Can you say? Uh, we made $58,000. Wow. So but, going from five hundred dollars as your last to to, to half of fifty eight thousand, yeah, it was huge. But what happened was we put it under. So we we uh, we put it out to all the investors, and one investor offered us a hundred thousand. So I was like, oh, this is a great deal. We're gonna make a lot of money. Then Mitch goes, no, nah, that's too low. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm sitting there, no money, trying to get by, and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't say, Mitch, let's take it, let's just make all this money and move on, right? You know, and he goes, no, nah, we can get one twenty four. So we got we got this realtor, Shannon Lynch, and she went out and found somebody uh, for 120, and we end up getting the 120. We end up making more money. So that's we ended up making fifty eight thousand dollars on that first deal. You cannot beat that. No, and Mitch was like, "Oh, I got another one for you." <laughs> really? He so, said, "He said, yeah, I got another lot 
Um, so I need you to, to work this one. I'm like, okay. So again, sometimes I think it's just committing to stuff and figuring it out along the way. Okay. I guess I was confident that Mitch could figure, could help out through with the money and other stuff, but I'm like, okay, I just got to figure this stuff out. So this was a property in Commonwealth where the, 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 uh, um, the owner was deceased as a, a tax delinquent. Our best deals are property tax delinquents. Okay. Best deals by not far. So um, what we did is, uh, so I looked it up and then we ended up finding the obituary and finding out that there was, uh, that he had two daughters. So we uh, skip traced the daughter and I, what I did was I went and knocked on the door, left notes and left a FedEx package. Uh, and she didn't call me back. So I don't, okay, let me, let me see if I can find out more about her. So what I did is I went to her Facebook page. Okay. And, and yes, and I'll talk about stalking. Stalking <laughs> is the key, one of the keys to stalking people, okay? Um, so I'm on her Facebook page, and I'm going down, reading all the stuff. Then I see she's a big Carolina Panther fan, okay? And we had actually, even though we were broke and starving, we had been to the Super Bowl. Lisa's mom, okay, I know this is, this is all tie back <laughs> in, but, but we were watching a Dallas Cowboys-Carolina Panthers football game years uh before and she goes well and the, she goes if, if the Carolina Pan panthers uh beat dallas and they go to the super bowl i'll pay for you guys to go to the super bowl I'm like, okay well that year the panthers went up going to the super bowl her mom bought us the toll trip out to the super bowl so we had anyway so i had a super bowl jacket and a hat so i'm like okay wait a minute she's a big carolina panther fan so i went back to her door knocked on her door with my super bowl shirt super bowl uh jacket and or, you know, I'm, I'm talking to her and I'm like, yeah, did you get my FedEx package, you know, about the property? And I'm just tugging on my hat. She goes, are you a Carolina Panther fan? Oh, I am. She goes, oh, me too. Goes, oh, so we talked about the Panthers for like 10 or 15 minutes and, and bonded. And then uh, long story, we just said, hey, you know, what are you going to do with the property? And she's, well, my dad passed away. I don't know what to do. And I said, well, we'll help you get through all the all the, the legal stuff and 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 do the probate and everything if you'll sell us the property so she said okay she sold us the property we bought that property and then we uh uh, uh sold it and made sixty eight thousand dollars on boom boom right yeah. in a row yeah right in a row and how Two. long were you working the, that second deal how long did that process take probably from the time i started to the time we had in our contract was about a month month and a half and then the time we closed was another month and a half. Probably, I'm guessing about three months. That's on not it. bad at all. Yeah. Money, yeah. And how is Mitch finding the, Mitch, right? Uh, yeah. Well, we were just pulling up the property tax delinquents. You so know? he was doing that on his own before. And then yeah. He was like, hey, I can't find these people. But Mitch is a very quiet, reserved person. He's not a people person. I hope he won't. Hey, he's retired. <laughs> he retired last. By the way, he retired last year. And the only reason he stayed in the game so long, he's like, Carl, you're making me too much money. I can't retire yet. <laughs> but he retired last year, so I'll, I'll talk shit about Mitch. <laughs> Mitch is a quiet guy. He's very reserved but very smart. So he likes to do this behind-the-scenes stuff where I was like the investigator, the door knocker, the talker, the guy that would go out and, and, and do whatever it took to get the deal. So it worked out really well. And then were you guys closing on the property or signing the contracts? We were, we were closing on them. We, were, we, we would buy them take them down and then um uh then remarket and resell them okay and um, that's where the deep pockets find somebody with deep pockets kind yeah of comes in. yeah he provided all the capital for every deal so uh he would provide the capital so i was doing all these deals with no money we because like you could wholesale them and make you know okay money but if you take them down and really spend the time um there's more risk but you can make more money 
So he would take them down, and then we would uh, uh, put them on the MLS or, or market them through through our channels to, re- to maximize the value on them. Okay, I got you. And so now you're hooked. Yeah, I'm like, okay, this this is great. Let's let's do more. <laughs> so he he started pulling up the uh, the foreclosures, and um, and there's a lot of nuances with this stuff too. You have to be careful. You have to run, you know, title on the person, make sure there's no judgments. You have to get air affidavits, uh, all sorts of stuff to clear the title to get title insurance. So it's not it's not like these ones that we got into. There, it, it's a fair amount of work you know, to clear the title when someone's deceased and there's heirs and there's there's possible problems like that. How are you guys tracking down these heirs? It's real simple. We just, all you have to do is, there's a lot of skip trace programs. So the, the first thing is, if somebody's deceased, you can just Google them or you can go to newspapers.com or legacy.com and then it'll, it'll pull up um, uh, basically who, it'll give the obituary. You just read the obituary and then you just skip trace. Like we'll use, a, there's a thing called Ben Verified IDI Core, and we'll just skip the uh, uh, owners and give them a call. It's, it's that, that easy. And you never felt like uncomfortable, like knocking on somebody's door and being like, hey, I know your dad died. Like I want to buy your house. Well, no, because I'm just there to, I'm like, you know, hey, I, I noticed that you were the heir to this property. And, you know, I'm just curious, what are your, what are your plans? You know, we can help you whether you want to keep the property or sell the property. Um, a lot of times, uh, these are people that are going to pretty much walk away. It's tax delinquent. Okay. They don't know what to do. Sometimes there's multiple heirs, missing heirs. So a lot of times uh, they're going to walk away from this deal and get nothing. So I'm there to help them and give them options. So that's the way I look at it. So it's just an option. It's just an option. I'm here to talk about your options, and uh, and there's there's people in foreclosures we've helped stay in the house and things like that. So, it's uh, yeah. Sometimes it can get a little interesting. We've had some people <laughs> cuss us out here and there. What's the craziest like worst thing that's happened? Oh, there's one foreclosure. We called the lady up and we made a uh, appointment to go see her. So I'm walking up to her house. Um, and um, start. I was here, uh, Vincent uh, was partnering with us at the time, one of my friends, and he was knocking the door real loud, kept knocking the door, and I'm sort of like turning my head like, ah, what's going on? And then I see Vincent jump off the porch. I'm like, and I, I was like, oh my God, the lady had a nickel-plated 38 special pointed right at my head. And I was like, uh, she, she, I'll never forget what she said. She said, whatever you're selling, I'm not buying. And I was, oh, my God. And I glanced over, and I saw the no trespassing sign. And I noticed another window that had a, a hole in it. So I'm like, oh, my God. If this lady shoots me. First of all, I'm trespassing on property. And there's a no trespassing sign. There's a bullet hole. If she shoots me, okay, which is possible, she's probably not going to spend any time or little time in jail. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm like, ma'am, I'm sorry. I apologize. I have the wrong house. And then I just ran away after that. And you guys never called her again? No, I never <laughs> called her again. And that, that what happened was um, with that uh, – shoot, I need to turn my phone off. Sorry about that. Is um, after that, um, my Vincent went home all freaked out. And I was like, what are the chances of two people pulling a gun on me in one day? 
I said, not likely. I went out and continued to knock on doors the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I was also like, well, this is all borrowed time now. Like, I could have been killed. So this is all free time. <laughs> so I, I went out there and uh, um, sorry about that. No. I, I went outside and uh, I went out and um, went back and knocked on doors. Did you get a deal that day? No, not that day. <laughs> but you know, that, 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 I've even had um, – so that was one of the scarier times. Yeah. Uh, there's another time too where you know we teach people stalking is good. Okay, we're positive stalkers. We're out to find people to give them money, their heirs, whatever. But there's one property I kept. I uh, went and knocked on the door, left notes and left notes, and the lady would not call me back. So I did some research and I tracked her son down. Okay, and he worked at this restaurant called Bupa de Bio or something. It's this Italian restaurant. So. And his name, let's say his name, his name is Jeremy. I'm going to tell you his real name. But okay. anyways, so I'm like, so, but, so we're going to go through Jeremy to get to her. So I go to the restaurant. In that restaurant, they walk you in, and they also do a tour of the kitchen. You know, they walk you through the kitchen in that restaurant. Oh, that, that's, that's what, the, 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 yeah, they just, they come in, they go through the kitchen and, and stuff like that. And there's one table in the kitchen. So I was like, so I went there, and the waitress could sit us in the main area. I said, well, can we sit in the kitchen? I'd love to sit in the kitchen. She's like, oh, sure. You can sit in that, this special table for that. So we're sitting there watching everything that's going on and um, trying to find Jeremy, okay, to get to his mom. So I finally hear something like, uh, Jeremy, here, hurry up those muscles. Like, okay, great. And I'm like, cool. So I said, we're going to talk to Jeremy, and this is going to be a great story how I got Jeremy, got to his mom, got this deal. So – after the restaurant's getting ready to close, I go up and I said, hey, hey, Jeremy, my name's Carl. I know this might sound weird, but I'm trying to get a hold of your mom. She's property. It's in foreclosure, and I'd really like to purchase the property, and I'm having trouble getting a hold of her. Can you have her call me? He goes, sure, no problem. So later, this is when I used to drink. I don't drink anymore, so I'm getting <laughs> tanked at the bar, and I get all these missed calls. So I call this number back, and it was Jeremy's mom. She says, don't ever stalk my son again. Don't ever do that. She said, where are you right now? Well, I said, I'm at a bar. She says, okay, I'm friends with the Hells Angels, and they're going to come kill you. Where are you? And I'm like, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell her where I was at. Right. But she was so mad, she was going to sick the Hells Angels on me. And I'm sitting there going, uh. So I didn't get that deal either. <laughs> uh, but, no, what's funny is there's a girl I was training. Uh, I'll say her name, Emily. And she, what she did is she went around us. And somehow got a hold of the lady, got the deal, and sold it to my attorney. Damn. So that was that was like a slap in the face. Do you still use that attorney? Yeah. No, he's uh, a good guy. Oh, okay. It was either gonna it, it was either gonna go to to him or somebody right, else. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad he got it. I'm, I don't have a problem with that. But it was still a slap in the face. Yeah, this girl that I was training went around us and did that. And so. she knew about it probably from you, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Did yep. she? Uh, is she killing it now? Or? I don't know. I don't talk to her anymore. <laughs> it's, it's a rough and tumble game out there. It you know? is, yeah. Especially in Charlotte, it's highly competitive in those big cities like that. Yep, we do. We have a lot of uh, people we go up against on some of these deals. So, um, when did you? So we kind of skipped over this, yeah. but you got done with that second deal. When did it kind of morph into like, okay, this is a business now? Oh, uh, it's probably about six months to nine months into it. That's when I finally went full time. And got into it because we kept we, we we kept getting more deals and more deals like that, um, uh, and, and so we were just we were making a lot of money and um, and starting to acquire property. So we just I got out of the car car business and then Lisa closed it down and just went full time into the real estate. How many deals had you done? 
before you jump ship? <sighs> Probably about 15 or 20. So that's a great first year. We we were killing it. I mean, 58,000, 68,000 on the on, on the first two deals, you know. Yeah. And was that like average? Uh, prop, we were probably averaging in that. It, it, each deal was different, you know, um, but probably, probably forty to $50,000 we were averaging per deal. That's crazy. As time has gone on, has those margins gone tighter or? Oh, no. We've actually done, I mean, like we've done some, we're doing like every two months, three months, we have a $100,000 deal. Every, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so our, our best deal is 243 228 166,000. So we've had some pretty good sized deals. What's the story behind your biggest deal? Uh, the biggest deal was uh, it came from a bird dog. Okay, this guy named Gerald who worked for Mitch that I knew he did a pressure washer. Okay, and he was pressure washing a house in Chantilly area, Charlotte, a real like rich area. But uh, so uh, and he was talking to the lady. Uh, that he's pressure washing. He said, yeah, some squatters moved in the house. Uh, Frank passed away about a year ago or so. And, um, you know, we're not sure what's going on with it. So Gerald brought it to us because one of the things you guys want to do is always have bird dogs, people that, you know, that, that you tell everybody what you do. You never know where a deal is going to come from. So Gerald brought us this deal. And what happened was on this house. So Gerald brought us this house. So we, the first thing we did is uh, uh, we, we, we took the owner, uh, Frank, and we put him into a thing called Been Verified. It's a skip chase program. Turned out he was deceased, okay? So I'm like, okay, this is good. And he's also like a year or two behind on the taxes. So we're like, okay, squatters in the house, <laughs> dead guy, you know. And later, this, this is what I call the Uncle Carl trifecta. A vacant house or squatter house, tax delinquent, dead person. Those are, that's our best deal. That, those, those are the ones we make the most money on. And so I'm, I'm looking at this, so I'm like, okay, this, this has a lot of potential because obviously, you know, we checked, there's no estate file. So this sounds crazy, but at the time what we did was we hired a genealogist and we built the family tree because we're going to try, we want to find the heirs because we had the other deal on Commonwealth where the per guy died and we found the two heirs and we made 68,000. So we built up this family tree and uh, it turned out that there was, there's, uh, it would have gone to, uh, Jack and Lewis. Okay. They were, they were, uh, and I better not say their last name, yeah, yeah. but anyways. And so we're like, okay, we got to find these guys. These are the heirs to the property. Okay. This is the keys to the kingdom here. <laughs> so we're searching everywhere for Jack and Lewis and we can't find them. And I'm like, you know, and I was going, to, I, this is how crazy, this is how crazy I was. I went and visited grave sites to see if I could see who was buried next to people. And then I was like, well, what if we do this? Um, let's go to the funeral home uh, where Frank was uh, did, did his burial. And let me see if I can see the guest book because we couldn't figure out how to find these two guys. So I, I, I walk in there and say, hey, I'm Carl Spiel with Alliance Finance, and uh, I need to see your guest book for Frank, whatever his last name is. They're like, oh, okay. So they bring me the guest book. So and no problem. No they problem. You know, I'm just <laughs> pretending like I, I, I own the place. You know, I need to see this guest book. And like, oh, sure. So they pull out the guest book, and I'm reading through this this thing, and I see. Um, uh, I take I, so I, I, I take all the names. I skip trace. I call every single person that attended the funeral, and these one people were like, well, they said the uh, the two Jack and Lewis, their mom moved to outside of dc we married a police officer police officer 
So I was like, well, what if they changed the boy's last name? We can't find them anywhere. What if their last names were changed? She got married. So our genealogist looked and she found this article. Uh, I better not say the last name. Yeah. So-and-so marries so-and-so. So now we had the last name. Okay. And then we uh, were able to skip trace and find them because what happened is they had changed their name. The mom, when she got remarried, changed her last name to the, the, the husband. So uh, you have to be private detectives in these things, these, these vacant houses, these, these deceased situations. You're basically private detectives, which you are. When you're trying to figure out this stuff. So part of it now, uh, we've got this property. Um, and so before we call them up, I, you have to do what's called setting the table. You can't just call them up and say, hey, your heirs is a property. We sell it to us. You got to tell them all the problems and why, you know. So the first thing was there actually was a niece that I had tracked down that was helping Frank, and she had a lease to 2040 for a dollar a month. Okay. Now she also had let these druggies move in with her and they kicked her out. And these were the squatter people living in the house. So I went to her and I bought her lease out for like 120 bucks. So now I had this lease. So we had we had we had that. It was it was uh city code code letter and then it also was going to tax sales like a month before it went to tax sale so i called these guys up and say hey you guys are heirs to the property your names used to be this they were changed it was your uncle frank's house and they're like oh we didn't know he had a house well, okay and we'd like to buy it from you but there's a whole bunch of problems i need to tell you about he's like well what are the problems well first of all they're squatters and i had pictures of the property with the squatters and all the stuff uh there was uh i said there's a niece with a lease uh, sounds like a Dr. Yeah, Seuss boy. <laughs> there's a niece with a lease. <laughs> so there's a niece with a lease. Um, and then I said, uh, also, there's no estate. There's no will. We can't find a will. There's no estate open. So we're taking a big risk, okay, which we, we were. Somebody could have possibly had a will and then came eventually probate it. So we said, we and it goes to tax sale uh, in the next month. They're like, normally we would negotiate. But this is a. It's found money, and it seems like there's a whole lot of problems to clear. So we'll we'll take your thirty-five thousand. So we bought it for thirty-five thousand in North Carolina. If somebody has to be passed away over two years for you not to open the estate, so we we got them to sign after a year and a quarter. They gave us deeds to the property. Um, so we waited after the two years, so we didn't have to open because we were afraid if we open the estate, there might be some judgments because when you, when you advertise the estate. Then people can file claims. Right. So we said, okay, we'll wait till after the uh, two years. So we, so we paid thirty-five thousand cash. Um, we uh, the the, uh, the squatters end up getting uh, arrested because they left the dog in the property and tore it. Up. It was a terrible, bad situation. But anyways, so we waited that. Uh, so we kept it for about nine months. We just cleaned it out, and then we were able to uh, get title insurance, and we sold it for three ten as a teardown. We made two hundred and forty three thousand dollars profit on that one house. Dang, you're popping champagne. We were happy, and, and Mitch <laughs> Mitch paid me a ten thousand dollar bonus on that one because he he told me like four or five times, "Give up, you're not going to get this one, Carl." And I'm like, "No, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this because." It, 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 it was pretty much either us get it or nobody because nobody's going to spend that kind of work to try to figure it out. Right. And, and it's a little bit crazy, uh, but it worked out. We made 240. And I figured even if we didn't get it, we were going to learn a lot of stuff. So we'll take on some of these things to do just to learn. And a lot of times we get the deals. And if not, we, we walk away with something, some kind of knowledge that we didn't have beforehand. 
how often do you go way down the rabbit hole on these things and it just turns out to be nothing? You can't find something. Well, that's why you're working on a bunch of deals at the same time. Right. But we get a big percentage of these ones where the people are deceased. There's uh, there's tax delinquent houses are vacant. I, I don't know what percentage. I'm guessing maybe 20 percent. It's a huge. And that's just a guess uh, of these ones. There's very Wait, like you get 20 percent of all of them. Of the ones we go, 10 to 20% of the ones we go after, you know, the caveat of like spending, like, like we spend a few hours sometimes and we'll, we might make, we'll like, okay, it's not worth it. There's too many problems, but we get a big percentage of these because no one's willing to dig deep enough and go through all the problems to solve them, you know, and, and build the family trees. Right. And I was going to ask that next. So when you get down, you know, a couple layers deep in airs, I mean, I imagine you look around. There's no other competition there, right? I mean, there's there's no one crazy yeah. enough. I mean, there's, there's a few people, I, and, and there are some other people doing that. I mean, we have one right now with 55 errors. We have 49 signatures. Whoa. Yeah, I wouldn't do that deal. That's not worth it. But we, sometimes we're like, okay, let's just see if we can do it. And I'm like, this was stupid, you know. And now because we we have these other six signatures, they're holding out, and we're offering more than their percentage. So now we have to switch it to a partition sale to sell it at the courthouse. Okay, and how does that all work? Well, that works is since we own most of it, when it sells at the courthouse, I think we own 92%. We will get we'll be eligible for 92% of the uh, proceeds, and the other heirs will get the 8%. And you can buy just half a house or an eighth yeah. of a house or whatever. Yeah, we buy, we buy half a house all the time. And how does that all work? Because the title... I mean, so how do how do the, how do you break that all down? How do you break that all? Well, basically, the way we like to do this is um, usually they're usually property tax delinquent, and the house is usually vacant. So that's the first, yeah, you know, the yeah, person are dead. Yeah. But we'll just we'll build a family tree out, and then we'll try to we'll you know we'll ask them, hey, by the way, your heir to this property, we're just curious, what are your plans? And listen, the key to this is not saying, hey, I'll give you X dollars or whatever. You you want to. The first question is, you tell them about the situation. Are you aware about this property? And, you know, I'm just curious, what are your plans? And then you listen. Sometimes they'll be like, yeah, you know, Aunt Martha tried to steal the house, and we're not going to get anything. And I'm like, well, I could buy your share out. Like, typically, like, really? How would that work? I said, well, we'll negotiate a price. Like this one deal, we gave each, each, each wing 8000 but we paid them $500 up front. We did that so we could get on title, so we could do either do the partition sale, um, uh, but we didn't want to put a ton of our money into it. So we're usually getting, because think about it. They've already told us that they can't do anything or they don't know what to do. So 500 up front, they're like, hey, sure, I'll give my share up for 500 up front, and then I promise to pay them X, we clear the title. Then we go through the, so basically what we do is we get as much percentage as we can. If we can't get all of it, we will, um, we will hire an attorney, and he goes, and they do a partition sale, which forces the whole house to be sold at the courthouse. You win either way with a partition sale, okay? Because if it goes for low, you buy it because you already own most of it or whatever. And if it goes really high, you let it go and collect the excess proceeds. Right. So you, you pretty much win on, on partition sales either way. On a house, though, with like 56 errors or whatever, right? If 50 of, if you've already paid off 49, 49 of them at 500 bucks a piece. Well, most of these we paid 250 bucks. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, just for their, <laughs> their, their share. You know, because they weren't going to get it. And a lot of them were like, we'd like to see something done with their uncle's house. Right. It's just going to sit there and deteriorate. And, and, and so they're they like, hey, 250 bucks, I'll sell my share. 
Have you ever lost money on a deal? Yeah, we've lost five hundred bucks, thousand bucks here and there, but nothing crazy. Uh, my biggest deal was thirty thousand dollar loss. How'd you lose thirty? Uh, being a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> it was a property which we bought, and this this is this is such a rookie mistake that I don't I don't think anybody else even listening would do this, but I did it. So I went off a Zillow value. Okay, oh Zillow says it's worth this, <laughs> but it, it was backed up against the highway. Okay. So I'm like, made the deal, bought the property, and um, we couldn't resell it for the price, and I ended up losing thirty grand on it. Um, but it, w- it was two things: it, w- it was not taking the time to really go through investigate the value of it properly, and um, and then the fact is right up against the highway that that took off the value of the property. But that was. Um, that was really, I've, I've done, we do some stupid shit. <laughs> and, still and, make mistakes. Yeah, we still make mistakes all the time, you know. Um, what about the, uh, so for everybody that can see, everybody that's watching the YouTube channel, Uncle Carl's Goat Farm. Uh, what's the story behind that? Oh, that was, that was cool. Um, I used to drink, and as of tomorrow, it'll be two years. I've been sober, no <laughs> drinking. Again. So I was drinking at the bar and talking to my bartender, and he's like, yeah, my mama's house is going into foreclosure. I'm like, will you give her a call i'm like sure so we called her and we made a deal to buy a property now this property um picture this it's uh it's right outside of tiga k tiga k south carolina is like a rich area and there's a lot of rural stuff around it seven or fifty thousand dollar houses things like that but what was weird about this property on two sides uh it was surrounded by tiga k sort of in the triangle part okay so we're like well, what if I'm like, maybe Tiga K will annex it. If they annex it, then we can put two houses. It's more valuable than being in the uh, being in Tiga K and because of the zoning. So I called up the city manager and said, hey, we've got this property here. I was wondering if you would uh, annex it into the town. And he's like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. But uh, son, I'll never forget this. Son, why don't you come down and talk to me? And I'm like, Sure. So I drive down there to Tiga K and city manager, real nice guy. And he's, he's like, uh, yeah, we're going to be building a baseball field behind there. We'd like to buy the property. But at the same time, uh, he goes, we don't need it. I'm like, okay, well, how much will you pay me for it? And he goes, I'll probably be in that 80 range. And I'm like, that's eh, a little low. Let me go talk to my partner. So now also remember, this is, this is zone agriculture, this piece of property here. Okay. And, uh, so, it's up against a nice neighborhood. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the Tiga K. The city surrounds it on two sides. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, and Tiga K is more of a rich area, nice houses, stuff like that. So, what we did is, I ended up, um, we ended up doing a short sale, and we got it for less than than we originally get it for. And I think he might have found out. I don't know. So I called him back and I said, "Hey, uh, you know." Your offer is 80. You thought that was a little bit low. Can we, what can we do? And he goes, well, I, I really need to be at 65. I'm like, what? I want to be about 65-ish. And I'm like, you went down. Said, yeah, that, that's that's where we need to be. And I'm like, okay, let me get this. First of all, you said you are not going to annex it. He goes, correct. So you have no jurisdiction on this property. He goes, no. I said, okay. So it's zone agriculture. He goes, Correct. I said, I could open a frickin', I didn't say frickin', I could open a frickin' goat farm on there, you know, and he's like, well, I guess you could. So I was mad. So what we did is we went and we rented goats, 
I didn't realize you could rent goats. <laughs> we put this sign up, Uncle Carl's Goat Farm coming to Tiga K. Okay. We put on this bit. We had these little cupcakes made with goats on them. Had this little thing saying Goat Lovers Lane. You know, and I had the t-shirts made up. And so we're doing this big Facebook Live production. Uncle Carl's Goat Farm coming to TK. I'm waving to all these people, you know. Like, you know they don't want a goat farm there. <laughs> so, so we're putting on this production about a goat farm and how we're going to open a goat farm in TK and all this stuff. Uh, that day, we got an offer for $100,000 closed in seven days from the city. <laughs> I'm not saying they saw this Facebook Live. I don't know for sure. I don't know why they changed their mind, but they upped the price to 100000 closed out in seven days. And, yeah, it was a fair deal. So, How did you think to do that? Like, what? I mean, well, Goat I, Farm just came to the head? Yeah, I just... Uh, I, I'm ADD, I'm creative, and I was just like, I was just, you know, putting it all together. Agriculture, uh, I want to get them now. You know, I'm, I was mad as hell, so <laughs> I'm like, but these are things I kept telling people I was going to open this goat farm to get them. I was so so mad, so I had to do it now because I told everybody I was going to do it. So, uh, but yeah, I think it was just like, what can we do to make him change his mind? And I also had uh, um, uh, sent them a letter, too, during this time, between the time we he did that we opened the goat farm was uh uh i also sent a letter said hey we're gonna be training ninja attack goats we're not 100 percent sure that the fences will hold them in i know you're building a baseball field with kids <laughs> behind there you know i think he knew we were messing with them you know i think it, you know it was sort of an all good fun yeah but it, it worked <laughs> and we, we got a price and i think it was a fair price and we wanted to work for the city and you know so that's how we, that's how, so I, so I got all these shirts, Uncle Carl's Goat Farm, we buy houses, 704-777-TKK. How did you get that number? That's another great, uh, I wish I, I heard about it a little bit on the podcast, but that uh, is a, is a great yeah. number for real estate, 704-777-7777. So what I, I went to uh, John Ulmer, he, he was a real estate investor, um, uh, ended up in jail but i don't know what all happened but anyways i went to one of the seminars <laughs> and he was like you, you know for your bandit signs you need to have easy to remember numbers so i was like okay so this is when i used to drink heavily so one night after 10 beers i called the guy up i dialed 704-777-777 and i said the guy said hello so hello i want to buy your phone number he's like you sound drunk this is what he said i said well i i am but i do real estate and i really want to buy your number and so it so, well, how much? And I said, well, how about I pay for a year of service for another number? And he said, okay. okay, okay. So I bought that number for $450. Dang. Yeah. That's I just, cheap. I had an offer a couple months ago for $110,000 for that. What? It's, an, a, it's a South Carolina attorney that's going into Charlotte. And uh, he's got billboards all up and down South Carolina. Uh, but anyways, he offered me 110,000. I, I, I've thought about it, but I turned it down. I mean, do you get a lot of business? Do you think because of how memorable that number is a little bit, it brings, it brings credibility and we need to market it better. We don't do a very good job of marketing it, but I think in the long run, you know, no one can ever forget my number. You know, it's like, you know, friends can't go out. Oh, I couldn't figure out how to get a hold of you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> seven, 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 seven. How can you forget that? You know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, Oh, and another thing that was really cool, that number, when I got into trouble with a car dealership at one point, um, I sold to a friend of mine for 10000 with the option to, uh, to to lease it and get it back. So you, I was able to, it's just weird. I didn't realize, but there's a whole business in buying and selling phone numbers, and they have value. 
Okay, if they're, 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 there's a whole thing, vanity, Google vanity numbers, repeating numbers, the whole business around this, you know, like attorneys want, want the phone number. Um, you know, we buy houses, people want the number because it's, it's credibility. And it's so you get credibility, you get um, uh, people can't forget it, they right. remember your number. So, uh, but anyways, I leased it to my friend for $10,000. And then during the car business, we, I couldn't make the payments. So he got to keep the number. So I, so once I got back on my feet, I had to buy it back from him for $20,000. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a good investment. Now it's worth one ten. Yeah. I imagine the demand for him has just exploded with, cause I mean, right now, as you know, there's more people becoming real estate investors than ever before. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Cause it's, it's instant credibility. You have a number like that. Um, and it's just so easy to remember. So, and, and, but, but, you know, it's more attorneys, cab companies. I know why the guy sold it to me. Okay. I don't answer it anymore. It goes to voicemail because every Friday and Saturday night, you know, these drunk people calling up for cabs all the time. <laughs> oh my God. It used to be a cab company number. Well, no, but like if like two, one, two, seven, 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 seven is a cab in New York. A lot of people, a lot of cab companies have, have the 777 numbers also. So people just think cabs, they just dial it. So we get, you get calls for cabs all day long. Has that gone down since Uber came out? Uh, I don't answer it anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> it goes to voicemail. But I, just, I, I would have fun sometimes answering it Friday and Saturday nights, just <laughs> answering it and saying, oh, yeah, we're going to be an hour or two. Uh, you know, just See I, soon. I, I, you know, I, had, I won't go. I had some fun with it. Um, when did you – so kind of going back to yeah. your story a little bit. So you guys are killing all these deals. That first year you crush it. When did you guys start hiring people and building out teams and all that sort of stuff? Uh, probably within – Nine months to a year, we started hiring a couple people, and then we slowly built out to, to, to now where we've got, like, five VAs. We joint venture with people, uh, and I think we got about 10 people all together. Okay. That we Do you have with. anybody in office? Right now during COVID, it's just me. Oh, okay. Everybody works at home. They all do virtual. So okay. Just me. <laughs> um, and what did you? What position did you hire for first? What was the whole process behind that? Of thinking. Uh, I, I got process? somebody like his assistant to help me do research. That was the first position. And it was just somebody local. Yeah, I was a friend of mine, uh, Maria. Just we hired her, and then she became a joint venture partner, and she does deals with us now. I was gonna say, I think I see her in the mastermind group quite a bit. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, she does. She does deals with us now. Now she, she's a partner. She's I'm, crushing it. Yeah, doing doing well. Yeah. She helped us get our second biggest deal ever. What was the story behind that? That was a deal where tax delinquent. Okay, you seen a pattern? <laughs> uh, it was defunct corporation. Okay, okay, it was owned by defunct corporation, vacant house. Okay, now what we did is now in North Carolina, if the corporation's going out of business, now of course check with your attorney with everything we're saying here. Right. But the old owners can still sign the paperwork. It's called winding down a corporation. Okay, so they can still sign for it. So we're like, we pulled it up. It's owned by a defunct corporation, and there was no, yes, yeah, owned by a defunct corporation. So I think it was Annabelle Lee Lane. So, anyways, we pull it up, and then there it was a husband and wife that had deeded the corporation. So we figured they they were pretty much the, the owners of the corporation. Skip traced him, and he he was pretty long criminal record he wouldn't call us back we skipped traced her we kept calling her calling her trying to get her to respond and she just wouldn't respond to her so we skipped traced her mom called him now this is the time where 
I didn't get threatened to get killed. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes like when, when you, when you, when you go to relatives, it either works out really good or really bad. There's really never any in between. <laughs> so we call her mom and her mom's like, you don't want that property. It's first of all, it's bad memories. She just wants to walk away from it. She goes, and she goes, there's a $750,000 lien. I'm like there is. So we ran title. The lien didn't attach to it because they put it in the corporation before the liens came out. So this lien's not attached to the property, okay? So we keep calling her. And Maria, this is about, Maria is a life coach, okay? Great with, you know, so Maria keeps calling her. And finally, she agrees to meet with Maria. You know, they bond, life coach, stuff like that. So she meets with her, and, and she's like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Bad memories, my husband. She's like, look, you should get something out of this. You need to get something out of this. Let's, let's work with us on it. So long story is she finally met with us and so we we also have to pull the door divorce decree and luckily she got left the property in the divorce the, or not the property but she was uh the the yeah i think she got left the property or she's a managing member i can't remember of the corporation right it's like okay this is good so we basically sat down with her and we made a deal with her sex again she, she said look i don't want to leave me alone the bad memories i, I there, there's all these problems so we said okay how about we buy it for twenty eight thousand dollars she's like okay and i said you know what we're going to bring you in as a partner she's like okay so we brought her in and we as a partner to give her 18 percent of the profits you know because she's helping us she's giving us a great price right you know so a lot of things I say luck, but a lot of these deals we, we get in, somehow we're able to solve them. I guess sort of lucky that she got left the corporation, that the seven or, but, but a lot of it's listening too. A lot of people, oh, seven or 50, a lot of people wouldn't even known about that lien that wasn't attached, but we did the research. So I guess my point is, you know, ask questions, listened, and we also persistent. We didn't give up. We kept text there over and over and over again. And so anyways. How often do you text her? How often do you follow up with people? It depends. I think it's every couple of days she's getting a text from us. Okay. You know, calls. She kept ignoring us. Could we call? We've called her mom. Can you have her give us a call, please? She goes, oh, she don't want to do it. Please call her. Tell her to talk to us. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these deals are like this. This is, these are situations where people pretty much walked away or they don't want to. You know, there's some kind of major problem. You have to be. So you have to be a private investigator. You have to be a therapist. You know, it's all these things that are combined to get these deals. And, and, and then you have to figure out you know stuff like winding down a corporation and how do we get around this thing but anyway so we agreed to, to, to buy it for twenty eight thousand. we brought her in as a partner to give her 18 percent of the profits which we didn't have to do but we were like hey look you know you're giving us a great deal on this property we'll bring you in as a partner so we bought it for twenty eight thousand. we used winding down the corporation we we're able to get title insurance on the property we fixed it up sold it for three i think three hundred and Twenty-eight thousand dollars, or something like that. Our net was two hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars on that property, and that was after paying her eighteen percent. Okay, she made um, she made thirty-six thousand. And what I love about this story is that she, again, was going to walk away. We were persistent. We kept pushing her. You know, you know, like we're positive stalkers. <laughs> we know we're there to give you money. Okay, we're positive stalkers. Is what we my are. Money. You know, people are like, "What? We're positive stalkers. We're we're stalking you to give you money." So when, when we got the check for her, um, uh, uh, and I could, I got the text. Maria has all the text. We said, "Okay, your your profit share is ready." She said, oh, how much is it? We go thirty six thousand. She goes, 
You're kidding. So, no, really. She says, I don't believe you. Says, yes, we're bringing you a check for $36,000. So a deal she's going to walk away from, get nothing. She made 28000 up front, and she got a profit check for 36000 Her kids were going to college, so she helped use the 28000 to help get them into college, and the $36,000 she got helped buy them cars and stuff. So without us, she would have walked away. She would have gotten nothing from that deal. Did you hand deliver that check? Uh, Maria did. Yeah, well, I'm sure she was. She oh, lit she, right up. She was very happy on that deal. <laughs> is yeah. that what is your favorite deal you've ever done? Do you have like a favorite that stands out? Uh, I wouldn't say a favorite, but well, the, I, I like getting into this judgment arena now. We're doing. I'll tell you about a couple deals we're dealing with judgments. There was a property that uh, tax delinquent. Do you see a pattern here? <laughs> is there any pattern to what we do here? We do a whole lot of land stuff, which I'll get into later. We're killing it in the land, okay? But it was, it was, it was tax delinquent, owned by a corporation. We tracked down the people. So here's the situation. There's 25000 in taxes owed. There is a $73,000 lien to HD Supply, a $63,000 lien to Ford Motor Credit against the property. Okay. Now this is an industrial piece of property. Okay, I was gonna say HG Supply and Fort. What the heck? Yeah, well they yeah, owned yeah. they owned a waterproofing company or something. Okay. And yeah, and the and, and the guy was in jail, and then the lady, the wife, had power of attorney. So again, everything's messy. Nothing's easy. <laughs> so we went through all the stuff, and we're like, okay, look, you've got this judgment, you got this other judgment and stuff. You know what's you know what's the best price? Just cash. We'll take her all the price. It's going to tax sale. And, and we negotiated back and forth. It's just said, just give me 15000 So what we did is we closed on it. We gave her 15000 We took it subject to the taxes and to the two liens. But we got title insurance subject to the liens. You can do that. So in other words, we have good title except for these three things. Okay? So now we had to deal with, excuse me, HD Supply and Ford Motor Credit. So we called up HD Supply. We said, hey, you got this lien against. Now, a lot of times, like Ford Motor Credit and HD Supply, like, they don't even know it's against properties. They just know they got a judgment. Right. I, mean, I hate to say this, but I'll use the, the theme of dumbasses. They're dumbasses. Okay. <laughs> well, they just have so much money. They don't care. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but they don't, they, they, they should they should investigate stuff, but they, they don't typically do that. So we called up HD Supply and we said, um, and we didn't want to just get a discount. We wanted to buy the lien, okay, because we still have the Ford Motor Credit. See, when liens or judgments come on, they come on in different orders. So what happens with tax, property taxes are always in first position, okay? And then the HT supply uh, judgment came on after that, and Ford Motor Credit's in third position, okay? So by buying the HT supply lien, that puts more pressure on the Ford Motor Credit, and it protects my investment. So we offered them $15,000 for a $73,000 judgment. And they said, well, can you do sixteen? And we're like, oh, yeah, sure. So we bought it for sixteen thousand. <laughs> first of all, we know we probably offered too low, low or not low enough, right? You know, so they sold us. They sold us this judgment. Okay, now what this does is now taxes are in first position. Now, um, now I have a, a judgment for seventy three thousand against the property, plus it's accruing interest. I think at eight percent. Okay, so every month that Ford Motor Credit is getting further. In, 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 in behind right so we did that and then after that we we went we had a, we got an authorization to release to buy uh like whenever you bought buy a property always get authorizations you can talk to the creditors okay 
So we sent that into Ford Motor Credit, and we were trying to negotiate with them, and they wouldn't negotiate with us, even though we had the authorization to release. So all and another thing, always stay in good terms with, with your buyer. Okay, so they and I, and I pissed the guy off. Um, it's attorney at Smith Deadman. This is the company that had the Ford Motor Credit that represented them. So I call I, I, like he wouldn't call me back. So I called him like five times in a row. Kept, you know, he finally answered the phone. Look, you calling me like this? Not going to get this. He got real mad at me. I'm like I didn't realize he saw that I was calling him all these times. I was just trying to get the deal done. Right. So he got pissed off. He didn't like me. But anyway, so <laughs> so so we started trying to negotiate a discount. And he's like. No, we're, we're not going to talk to you. I said, we got an authorization to release. He says, no, we need to talk to the original owner. So we called the original owner up and said, hey, look, how would you like to make an extra $1,000? They're like, well, how? I said, I need you to negotiate this Ford Motor credit lien with us. We'll tell you what to say. So she's calling up the, uh, uh, the, the, the company, Smith Deadman, I think it was, the company that has the, that has the judgment for Ford Motor credit. So she's like, well, what should I offer? So we're texting her back and forth saying, offer this. And they're like, they're, they're like, they're saying this and this and that. And I'm like, and, and, and finally, okay, tell them 22 is the most we'll pay. Most we'll pay. So she's like, the most we'll pay is 22,000. So she negotiated for us on, on that to pay that off. So, um, so we made a deal, you know, to buy that, to, to negotiate that for 22,000. So now and then I end up paying the, the the taxes, but I didn't want to pay the taxes right away because uh, I want pressure on both these companies' case. They did investigate and knew they had the judgments against the property. So, um, and what's important about this is we want again we wanted to buy the judgment because that protect. If, if I would have paid off that judgment, okay, let's say for sixteen thousand, like oh I'll just settle the judgment for sixteen thousand, then Ford Motor Credit. Is all in, in second position right. and with just twenty five thousand in taxes, so they're like, "Hey, we're in a great position." So that's why you want to buy the judgment. You can do it depends. Some people sell them, some won't. You know, like hospitals don't tend to sell their judgments. So, so I bought that one judgment. We got the other one for, for that, and then we we sold that for I think two fifty five, and we made one hundred and forty three thousand dollars profit on that deal. Wow. So there's a whole realm, a spectrum, or a whole realm of stuff dealing with judgments that's huge. And I'll tell you another one. We So judgments typically are good for 10 years, and then they can renew them. Okay? And then there's some – so there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do that. A lot of times we'll get – we'll buy properties with judgments, and we'll just let the judgment uh, – we'll wait the 10 years um, out. And now technically during that time they can foreclose. Okay, but rarely do judgment holders foreclose, you know, so you have to take that into it. So there's another property. Again, there's just the whole cool stuff with judgments. It's just so badass. <laughs> I could go on for hours about it. But this one we closed out about two weeks ago. It was a foreclosure and I was knocking on the door, knocking on the door. I was leaving all these notes, just little, little, little tiny sticky notes, you know. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, I think it was named. Hey, Cindy, this is Carl. Can you give me a call? Hey, Cindy, da, 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 da. And, and we kept leaving all these notes. And then finally, this uh, 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 lady called me back. She goes, and this, uh, her name was, I better not say her name. Okay, her name was Lainey. Okay. <laughs> and Lainey calls me and says, she says, yeah, why didn't you leave me these notes? That are the property's in foreclosure. I said, I know that. We, we want to buy the property. She goes, no, you don't want to buy it. We already tried to sell it. There's a there's a uh, iris lien. No one's going to buy this property. And she's like going on. I don't know if she's on drugs or, you know, no, she, she's not. She's ADD. Nice lady. But anyway, so she's just going on and on and, and stuff. And I'm like, well, we'll buy it. So you'll buy it. So we don't care about that. 
So what we did on that one, so they already tried to close, but other investors walked away from this deal because there's a $49,000 IRS lien. So what we did is, uh, again, the IRS liens are good for uh, 10 years, you know, and I've never seen IRS renew or foreclose. I'm not saying they won't. It's in the realm of possibilities. So you always have to be ready for that. So we we bought the property for 60-something thousand. We paid the owner some money. Laney got paid a little check. And then we also had to, she was still married, okay? Uh, so you, one thing you got to be careful of, this is we you got to really do your title work because it shows just in Cindy's name, okay? And the loan was just in Cindy's name, okay? But she was married, so he has a marital interest. And if you don't get his signature, you know, you don't really own all the property. Right. And there's, so, so we had to get a deal, work a deal with him. So we had to pay him some money, her some money. So we took it subject to this IRS lien of 49000 So I think, I think all in, we're in the low 70s. So what we ended up doing was we rented it for about, this 2017, we rented it for about four years, okay? Then the IRS lien expired. And we called up OfferPad to sell it to OfferPad. Of course, the OfferPad, you know, they give you this really, wow, you're going to pay me this for it? Yeah, we're going to give you 268 for the property. And then there's like, we have this fee, this fee, and then they come in and do all these repairs. So they came in and they said, okay, this is going to be the repair amount. It's like 35000 So my partner told them to F off. You know, they called us back. So, well, we still want to work a deal. And um, so this is cool. When you're selling to hedge funds and stuff, they might seem like they're not flexible, but if you tell them go to hell, sometimes they'll call you back. <laughs> so we're like, no, we're not going to do it. You know, go to hell. And then they said, well, okay, you know, there's 30,000 repairs. What about 20? We're like, no. And then another week or two went by. And she says, okay, tell you what, we'll do, we're going to only charge you 15,000 for the repairs, but that's the lowest. We're, we're, she goes, we're going to walk. We're not going to do this deal. I said, okay. So we so our net was two hundred twenty one thousand. No, what we sold it for is two hundred twenty one thousand. After expenses and we rented it out, we made one hundred and forty five thousand dollars on that property by just taking over property with a judgment. Now my partner uses Roth IRA to buy it. Yeah. Okay. And so we are taking a risk. Technically, there's a, a IRS lien against it. But again, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and all of a sudden someone will. IRS will foreclose and do Seriously. something. Yeah, but I, <laughs> no, they're going to uh, look for your properties yeah, and like renew them. Well, put them in trust. So it's be hard for them to, to, to find that. And if they renew them, they just it renews against the person. So if you can get it get past the ten years, you're you're golden. So how does that work though? So you can close on the property without without paying off the judgment. Yeah, we do that all the time. It just stays attached to the property. Yeah, and just transfers with the ownership. Mm-hmm. Dang. Okay, I've never heard. Of, I guess I've never heard of that before. Wait a minute. Josh, how long have you been in Uncle Carl Mastermind podcast? I've been for a while, I know. Okay, Josh, you're, um, you're, you're going to get like a C minus now. <laughs> By the way, I do have a Mastermind group. It's every Wednesday. Uh, it's $125. Uh, is it $125? No, $105 a month. And we go over all these deals and we break them down. And if you pay attention, like Josh didn't, you can learn how to do these kind of deals. <laughs> I actually... Uh... Uh, one of my greatest assets came from that mastermind. So I was just driving back and forth to Augusta. I had some my daughter's yeah. health problems, and I just happened to listen to an episode. And uh, it was the guy from Roar, Jesse. Oh, so yeah. So I started yeah. using Roar. And oh, I was okay. Like, Game changer. Oh, that's the texting stuff. Yeah. 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 Free advertisement here. And, and see, what, what we do is like I, I, I teach on the mastermind. And, uh, but, but I also bring other people in too. So I'm bringing in different people that do 
different things. I even brought my uh, nemesis, David Roberts, on one time. <laughs> this is this is a guy we'd done battle with, and it's gotten pretty nasty. But um, I even brought him on because he does some good stuff. Um, so what's great about the Mastermind is it's, it's not just me. I bring on different people, and I make them share, like, their secrets and how to get deals and show people a lot of cool stuff. Right. You know. Um, so and it's come a long way since episode one. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty pretty bad in the beginning. You know, I didn't think so, but I mean, I was just like impressed. Like I just, you know, yeah. I, I pop in every once in a while and just seeing the audience grow. Right. I mean, yeah. there's been a real growth in audience. I think when we, that first one you did, there was maybe four people. I don't know. I, I think we started. Yeah, there's, there's almost nobody in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. And and now I think we've got 220 uh, members. In the group. So. How hard is that to stay consistent? Because you do that every week. You know, we were talking about podcasts in the beginning. Uh, yeah. What's great about it, it forces me because I have to have something ready. So it, it, it forces me into action. So it's like a lot of times on Tuesday, what the hell am I going to talk about? What the hell am I going to talk about? <laughs> and then we're pulling in slides and trying to put stuff together. Um, but it, it forces me to, 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 to uh, be able to put content out and stuff. So it, it, it's sort of like having a deadline helps. Yeah. So that's how we're able to do that. If I had the same thing with the podcast, I haven't done a podcast in probably three months. May 4th, I think it was. Yeah. I was just looking this morning. Yeah, that's the only reason I know that. Stalking but, you. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but guys, the mastermind, whether you join mine, you know, that's where we get, a, you share, we share a lot of information. We bring a lot of other people in and you can really learn and take your business to the next level. Yeah. You know, being in the, in a mastermind group. There's a lot of great discussion yeah. in that facebook group about some of the things we're talking about on here yep. just like how to get in the nitty-gritty of finding these people and and we also have e some easy stuff like we brought damien uh buddy of mine on and he does this stuff he just does mail to land a very simple thing it works out great like there's a um shree's in the group and she was she was struggling for months she even quit the mastermind for a while and then, oh. we, then we caught her back in <laughs> and um she wasn't having any success or very little success and then she did Damien's thing where she does these letters and stuff, and she's closing three to five deals a month, sometimes three thousand to ten thousand, and she's making a great living now just on this sending these le these little simple systems. So there's all sorts of different stuff in there. We, some of the stuff is simple, some of it's much harder, but we try to open up to show you all the different ways to do stuff from judgments to buying partial interest to partition sales to subdividing land. Um, so we try to try to bring in a lot of different stuff. Did I pick on you too much there? No, 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 no. you're fine. No. <laughs> I like to be called out on my bullshit, so mm -hmm. it's fine. Uh, what about uh, we had kind of talked earlier? You touched on it, but like you wanted to get more into land. So land is something you guys have recently started doing, or well, we, we, we our first two deals were land. Okay, but then we got into houses. It's weird sometimes. You're successful in some area, then all of a sudden you go in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. I don't. But anyways, so. We got back into land, and there's such a demand now for land, and there's not as many people marketing to it. So I would say 78% of our deals are land deals now. And, you know, we're finding lots that can be subdivided. We're looking for lots to be subdivided into two, three lots. We're looking for houses with extra land. We're doing variances. What a variance is is, um, like, we'll find a lot that's too small to build on. We hire an attorney going from the city and they allow us to bring the setbacks out so that we can build on it. So we're taking on these, and there's a lot of nuances to it. You have to be careful. So we're taking these lots and and doing variances on them. So we, and we also, we're, we're studying the zoning code and finding loopholes, stuff that's grandfathered in, finding out stuff that, that very few people know about 
and uh, and then then we run with it. You know, like for example, the the, the variances. Uh, we bought this one. We got this one lot for twenty three thousand dollars. Okay, uh, it was in a very good area, and we're like. The reason we bought it was we knew we could try to buy some of the neighbor's land or we could sell to him because he already wanted to buy it uh, and add to his land. Um, and then we found out a, a variance and a bit of doing a, a doing the variance. So what we did is um, we hired an attorney, walked through the whole uh, whole variance. So it wasn't buildable. It's too small. Got past the variance and became buildable and we sold it for 160. So that was a huge profit. We're like, wow, we need to find more of these lots. <laughs> and, and then we got another lot on Walford. We ended up getting this lot for $500, a package of three. It was property tax. Let me see. Property tax delinquent. Two of the three. One of the owners of the lot. Two or three owners dead. Vacant house. Uh, the, the pattern. Anyways, so we got this little lot, and she just said, oh, you can have it just for the taxes. I can't do anything with it. Well, we did the variance on it. And sold for ninety five thousand and made eighty four thousand dollars after all fees and everything, you know. So we made a hundred and twenty three thousand or something on the one lot. We made eighty four thousand on that. We found another one too that we got, nine hundred one East Nineteenth Street. I think we were into that for twelve or fifteen thousand total. Got the variant. Now we hold, held that for like three years, and we just sold it for one forty, and uh, so we made. Like one hundred twenty, hundred seventeen thousand dollars on that. How do you figure out? How did you figure out the variance thing? Like, how are you finding this information? These loopholes and well, we didn't know what the hell a variance was. Right? Yeah. Like, well, I... well what happened was we, <laughs> when we got this lot, we knew it was in a prime area. This lot for twenty three thousand, and we knew that we could sell it to the other. The other neighbor expressed interest. He he wanted it, so we knew we could sell it for him, or we could partner with him and buy some of his land and make it into a lot. So we thought we had a bunch of exit strategies. So we ended up getting it, and then then we're like, well, what the hell are we going to do if this guy doesn't want it or whatever? Um, and that's we just started talking. A lot of times we're curious, well, what can we do with this lot? And then we're talking to one attorney. I think we're talking. I don't remember what. We're just asking me, well, what do we do? We just put it out there. What can we do with this? And somebody said, you can do a variance. We're like, what the hell is a variance? <laughs> I had no idea what damn variance is. And he says, yeah, you, you, you hire this attorney. You do this. And I'm like. Can you find me a variance? I think it's Ben helped us, one of our partners. And he found an attorney. And then I called up the variance attorney and said, well, how the hell do I do this? He goes, well, can you write me a check? I said, yes. I said, you write me a check and get a survey. I'm like, I can do that. So we just hired the variance attorney. <laughs> and it's a little bit more to it than that. Yeah, yeah. But we got the survey and we went through the whole thing. But a lot of this stuff, too, is not necessarily knowing what the answer is or whatever, but sort of jumping in, committing, and knowing I had multiple exit strategies. And then I learned, a lot of it's just talking to people. I've learned so much at the real estate meetups, and I spent a lot of time with attorneys. You know, I'll buy them, like uh, I'll mention his name, David Murray. He's one of the attorneys that does all our variances for us. He's getting ready to do another one for us. Um, and, you know, I'll buy an hour of his time, $300. I'll say, hey, look, I want you to look at all these properties. Tell me what we can do. And, 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 and you learn a lot by talking to uh, investors, especially like if, if like after the meeting you get them really drunk by a bunch of beer, you know, and say, Hey, tell me about this, you know, and sometimes they'll, they'll say stuff and you're writing it down. And, oh, okay. So, so we learn a lot from investors, a lot reading the zoning laws and attorneys and surveyors. And that's how we learn stuff. Like there's a lot of lots that people don't know they're subdividable. We know that we can get it done losing, using some loopholes. So, uh, an owner on this one lot in Oakwood, um, 32.5 was what he wanted for it, which is full price. Like, okay, 
Well, we got it subdivided and sold it for 55000 you know, uh, did a double closing. Um, so it, it's just a lot of it's just networking, masterminds, the attorneys, being curious. And, you know, and you can and, and once you get something like uh, now, we only do about one variance. It used to be every year, we're probably doing one every six months now. So we don't do a lot of those. But now that that's a, a weapon in our arsenal, um, we can subdivide lots of people don't know about, you know, they don't know it's subdividable. Um, so we're adding these different ways. You know, we want to learn anything that's niche that other people don't know about, or not that many people know about. You know, like a lot of people don't know about using judgments for financing or discounts, all this stuff. We, 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 you know, we want to learn this stuff and then be able to run with that over and over again. Does it, um, you and you, I had seen in the mastermind too, you guys were talking about getting into like doing some more low hanging fruit stuff like mass marketing. Um, how's that been going? What's yeah, the challenges we, behind that? And, that's going pretty good. We have a, uh, some great virtual assistants that we pull lists and they're just calling and we're getting, we're getting good deals from that. Um, probably per cold caller, we get one deal about every six weeks. Okay. And, uh, plus we're putting stuff in the pipeline. A lot of people are no, 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 but we're going to follow up and market to them. So actually, I'm, let me get into one of the things too. I, I identify a lot of properties. I had this list of 500 lot, 500, uh, pieces of property that, that met certain criteria. And I didn't follow up on it. And I looked back through the first 50. And 11 of them sold, okay? And the average profit would have been $50,000. But I, I, I worked them, but I didn't work them as good as I could. But so what I'm, my point is that a lot of this stuff is follow-up. And so now, I mean, I was mad as hell. I think I threw a couple of coffee cups and broke them at my office. I was like, <laughs> look at this stuff. You know, all these deals we lost. Yeah, um, $500,000. Is five and fifty? Now, we would have yeah. got all of them, but most of them we would have gotten if we would have just followed up on. Um, but so one of the things I want people to know is, like, if you can find something with a problem, you got to follow up and be persistent, you know. And, and, and so what was I saying about the uh, – I didn't, I didn't take yeah. my root. I didn't take my uh, riddle into today. <laughs> Where are we going with that? Yeah. Uh, following up uh, deals in the pipeline. Oh, the uh, virtual assistants. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So we get the virtual assistants. And so we're getting about a deal every, and these deals are less money. They're like 10 to 20,000. Now one, one of them is going to be, one was a house we just bought in Cherryville for 26,000 that we can fix up and sell and probably make 75 to a hundred thousand right in that range. Um, but so we're doing a little bit of that. We're doing a little bit of texting and, um, we're going to get ready to, 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 to do better in our follow-up systems. We've got our Podio, which is our CRM build out and we're doing, starting to do a little bit better at follow-up, but that's, um, so now, so now we got all these, we, we have these virtual assistants and we've got partners that are calling on these deals. So I think it's going to be, I mean, this year. If I have a bad year, my share will be a million dollars. If the deal turns, if the year is bad. Stops. Well, I'm not sure. I have to calculate. But if, if, if the year, if I only make a million this year, I'm going to be mad. Dang. Now, some of the stuff we've had, <laughs> had two years, and you know, it's stuff we've cleared the title on. Yeah. But, um, and, and I think we're going to even get better from there as we get our follow-up systems better more joint ventures with people. I think that it, it's going to grow from there. So you're going to start buying apartment complexes or? 
uh, we're going to look into some other stuff yeah, and yeah. taking down bigger properties and yeah. subdividing them and things like that. We're, we're, we're going to try to like up the game to the big, some bigger stuff. Do you guys hang on to very much? Yeah. Okay. We, we got quite a few properties that we're still, we're still holding. And do you plan on, you know, people talk about like protecting you know, generational wealth, right? That's the mm-hmm. word that always comes up in real estate. So from your perspective, it sounds like, you know, you guys are holding, but you're buying in, or selling in fairly short amounts of time, three years, four years. Is there anything that you plan on holding for, you know, generationally? Uh, well, we plan to hold some of it for a while. Like we've got some properties that are close to downtown Charlotte that we're going to, that, that keep going up in value. They're near the light rail. Okay. Like, like I'll give you, I'll tell you one, another story about one property. There's a property on East 19th street. It's a house property tax delinquent, uh, <laughs> deceased <laughs> owner, uh, but one of the heirs was living there. No, there's no electric meter on the house, so he's living without electricity. Long story, we ended up uh, buying all the shares, and um, it's going up so much in value. So that property, it's probably worth about three twenty-five to three fifty, and we owe about fifty-five thousand on it. So that's when we bought, and the, at the time, it's only worth in the low, like maybe one fifty, and then we fixed it up and, and stuff. But but that's when we're going to hold. You know, because it's right by the light rail. It's going to keep going up in value. And there's a chance that someone will buy up the whole area and knock it down and put high rises. Right. So, you know, we have certain houses like that that we're planning on keeping uh, at least at least for for I wouldn't say forever, but but for a long time. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, let me ask you this. We you had kind of touched base on it uh, when you were on your comeback tour. Yeah. Uh, you're in a Les Brown and all these other, are, is there anybody that you still listen to or where, where are you getting like motivation and, ed, and education from? And I, 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 uh, I, I, re, I have a ton of audible books, just all sorts of different ones. Um, everything from who, not how to, there's just all these business books that I just listen to every, like when I go to bed, I put on a business book and I listen off and on all night. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing that. I listen to podcasts I, um, I'm part of a master, but I, I like, I like Steve Trang's podcast. That's one of my favorite ones. Um, cause he had me on there. So, uh, <laughs> no, but he goes, I like Steve Trang's stuff. I listen to his stuff. So what was the question again? What am I doing to, to yeah, like yeah. further education, who are you following, who are you listening to? What do you recommend books? A couple podcasts. things. I'm in the collective genius. It's a high end mastermind group. Um, with, with, like, I think I'm one of the poorest people in there. Uh, <laughs> so I surrounded myself by people who are really doing big things. So that's help that that that's part of it. Um, I, I go to some meetups, um, the attorneys, a lot of business books, and then reading the zoning laws and stuff like that, following the rezonings, the things like that. All that's part of, uh, you know, what I'm doing for education to further, you know, I always and I'm natural curious. I want to learn. So. And I don't feel like this is a, this is more like I feel like a treasure hunter i don't feel like i'm in the house business i'm hunting <laughs> treasures you know and so it's it's like anything i can do to learn to to be more of the treasure hunter i got gotcha. you um what uh do you go do you sit down on the zoning meetings and stuff do you usually I, I do go to the variance okay yeah i was curious like are if how closely you follow you just listen to it after the fact or you like yeah i look at some the of the, what they've done and in charlotte they're, they're they've got this new thing called this you are I don't know if it's new rezoning. So one of the things is where a lot of money can be made is, is buying properties and then rezoning them to higher density. 
So that's one thing. That's when the next things we're into now is we're taking down stuff or doing some assemblage, and then we'll be dealing with some rezonings. So I, I think that's going to be. So we've got this one property right now that we bought that we think we can get about four units on it or more if we rezone it. So we're, we're going to be doing some of that. That's sort of the next thing. And I think I think that's where people can make more money than uh, a lot of this other stuff is the rezonings. It's kind of interesting how many niches there are because of government regulation. It's it's funny. There's a lot of money to be made in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, just learning the different stuff. And, and so we're, we're really studying the rezonings, where they're allowing it. Um, and, you know, another thing, too, we're buying in the path of progress. You know, we're looking at, okay, the light rail is going here. It's going to open a year. Um, I'll tell you about one little area we just bought in, like, this one year before uh, Sugar Creek in Charlotte. If you, there's a road called Redwood, Bearwood, and um, Redwood, Bearwood, and uh, Dinglewood. So it's right near the light rail. So we're like, okay, let's go buy some houses and land here. I mean, the light rail is going to open up. It's going to go up in value. I mean, God, you don't have to be smart to figure this out. Right. So so what we did is we, we found this one piece of property. It was a lot. And it was owned. And the reason I tell these stories because I think it shows what you have to do to get the deals. Okay. And I think that's important to people know that this is not easy. You have to be persistent. And this is at least how it works for us. So we pulled up this one lot and there was two owners. So I skipped trace one, called him and said, Hey, you got this lot here. And guess what? It was tax delinquent. So <laughs> your favorite. My favorite. <laughs> now, it's gonna it's, it's getting harder and harder to get the tax delinquents because I'm talking too much about it, and so <laughs> I'm getting more competition. And I hate it because I'm training people, and then all of a sudden they're beating me to these properties now. But anyway, so it's tax delinquent. So I made uh, called up this uh, one guy, and he goes, oh, I forgot I owned it. I'm like, how do you forget you own a lot? Seriously. I always, you know, and he's, well, because I used to own, I used to, there was a house and lot, and then we sold the house. They just left the lot off the legal description. They just left it off. They didn't, you know, so we end up with a lot and we forgot we owned it. I'm like, okay. So I made a deal to buy his half. And then uh, the other half, he said, I haven't seen my partner in years. I'm like, oh, okay. So I was at this real estate meetup. I was talking to this guy named Gary and I'm like, God, I got half this deal. I got to get this other half. Um, the guy's name is, you know, I'm looking for so-and-so. I just can't find this guy anywhere. And he's like, who? And I, can't, I won't say his name. He right, says yeah. his name. And he says, Carl, he's one of my best friends. He lives in Florida. And he dialed the guy up and said, hey, I got a guy that wants to buy your half a lot and handed me the phone. Now, that was lucky. But, you know, you Seriously. put stuff out in the universe, stuff happens. So we got that lot. We are into it for around 12000 It's worth about one forty ish right now. You know, that's crazy. And then the house next door, uh, I just I knocked on the door and made a deal. Long story, but the uh, the guy had owned it since 1955. So I uh, I got the number from the tenant. And I called him and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm just curious. What are your plans for the house? You you want to sell it?" And he goes, "I'm 85, getting ready to be 86. I think it's time for me to sell. Why don't you come visit me?" So I drove out sat and talked to him it's funny too because i was sitting there talking to him and i said when, when are you gonna be 86 he goes i turned 86 november 19th i'm like that's my birthday i'm, I'm not lying it really was my <laughs> birthday too we had the same birthday and we bonded so we ended up bought that for 33 it's probably worth 140 ish right now so you're all off that one little this one little area and then the house next to it it was owned by a uh john young with a p.o box i couldn't find the guy so 
I went and knocked on the door. Again, the reason I tell these stories, this is what it takes to get these deals. You, you can't be, you got to be aggressive. You got to really push. So I knocked on the door and I'm like, hey, I'm Carl Spielberg. I just bought the lot here in the house next to it. And I know you're renting from John Young and I'd really like the opportunity to buy the property. I know you're renting and I'll take good care of you. And she just looked at me. She goes, I'm thirsty. What, what do you mean? He says, I'm thirsty. She goes, let's go down the store and get some 40s. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> we drove down the store and we came back and I got drunk. This is 10 o'clock in the morning. I got drunk with Miss Mary on her back porch. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, Miss Mary, can you give me, because I can't find this John Young anywhere. Okay. P.O. Box, you know, I, I need some help. And she's like, not yet. I'm not ready to give you the number. <sighs> okay. And then she called me up one day because I'm hungry. I'm like, what do you need, Miss Mary? He said, bring me some McDonald's. Bought her some McDonald's. She says, okay, you're going to make a good landlord. I'll give you John's number. He wants to sell the property. <laughs> so I made a deal. We bought the property, I think, for 60000 And then I was driving by the property seven days after we bought it. I look over and I'm like, oh, my God, the place had burned down. What? And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm calling Miss Mary. Hey, what happened? She goes, oh, the house caught on fire. I jumped out the window. I goes, everyone okay? She says, yeah, I'm at this hotel. No one called you? No one called. Seven days. No one, yeah, it's been burned down. Like, you know? Nobody. That's nobody crazy. called us. So we're like, holy shit. So I, um, as she was staying in some hotel, I went and bought her a bunch of groceries and um, stuff like that. But, but so the house burned down. Luckily, we had insurance on it. Now, Here's a little, don't, don't ever burn your houses down, but what I'm going to tell you is how you can make money off insurance, okay? <laughs> uh, what happened is um, they were only give us a certain amount for the house, but we hired a public adjuster, okay? So basically a public adjuster sort of fights for your rights to maximize, they read your policy to maximize your claim. So we hired this public adjuster, they took 10% of, of the claim, and we ended up getting, now we bought it for 60000 we got a check for $100,000, and we got to keep the lot. Oh, my. And then we sold the lot a year or two later for 95000 So this is all on the <laughs> bare wood. And it, and it gets even better, okay? There's another house that was uh, just down from that. It was owned by a corporation called Exito Latino. Never forget it. So I put them in, skip traced them, pulled up. the. I went to the NC Secretary of State, pulled up who the owner was, called him. I said, hey, you own this property in Bearwood, and we're very interested in buying it. And he goes, well, the light rail's coming in. I said, well, I know that, but I also researched it. He had bought it for like, I think, 8500 He bought it for really cheap. So I said, okay, well, why don't you sell it, make a big profit, and move somewhere, you know, build, do something else somewhere. You're like, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. So we bought that house for 70000 The reason we bought it is because it comes with an extra lot. So right now... We could probably get a hundred thousand for the lot, and we can get about a hundred fifty thousand for the house. So we bought it for seventy, and we have a chance probably to sell it for two fifty. Now, part of it was you know we got a good deal, yeah, but it's also going up in air. So we we bought in the path of progress. Hey, remember the thing I told you not to do? Like like in the beginning when I lost <laughs> yeah. everything, do not buy for appreciation. <laughs> but but of course, but but Mitch had deep pockets, so he could pay cash for, it. and we we knew it's going to go up in value and the property cash flowed or broke even plus on seventy thousand dollars yeah i was just gonna say you could probably rent it for right you at least have the one percent tenant i think it runs for 725 so yeah and we we about break even on it that's all we care about you know right um 
you know, and then we, we actually bought two other, well, I'll tell you a quick story. We bought two <laughs> others in the area. And be honest, I was, I was not, I skipped trace some of it, but I didn't work it very hard. I should have worked it harder. So the other property was on, um, let's see, was it, uh, Dinglewood. And I skipped traced the lady and, um, she had, she owned it. Her husband deeded it to her for love and affection. I read the deed. And that's a, Wait, that, really yep. Deed trip for zero love and affection. <laughs> so, so it was property tax delinquent. Um, so I called her up. Her name was Phyllis. And I said, Hey Phyllis, you know, now again, I stalked her. I called her, left message, her mailbox. I was just like relentless. Blowing her up. And then she finally called me back. She said, Hey, are you the guy that I'm selling the property to? Or she said, hey, I said, I am hey, Carl. You know, I want to talk about the property. She said, are you the guy that I'm selling the property to? And I'm like, yes, that's me, ma'am. So oh, come over and see me. So I guess she was talking to somebody else too. So I go over there and I'm like, okay, well you have, I'm like, okay, well, what do you want for the property? We go back and forth and she goes, we signed a contract for 21,500. I said, well, you know, your property taxes are gonna have to come out of that. She goes, yeah. And any judgments or liens gonna have to come out of that. She's fine. So I, I, I got it signed. And then when we pulled the title, turned out there's a $12,000 demo lien and then now here's a cool thing property taxes are, are only legally collectible for 10 years okay now there's some caveats to that and they can get judgment so in north carolina in north carolina yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so so <laughs> so there was like uh, i think there was 10 years like 11 years on the property taxes so i went back there and said, look you owe this much in property taxes there's a twelve thousand dollar lien and there's like some grass cutting liens from the city said so you owe more money than we agreed i think it's like 22 23,000 more than we agreed to buy the property and she's like well i guess i can't sell it to you and i'm like well, what if i give you 500 dollars and you get and you just deed it to me she's like okay so we paid 500 dollars. we have 11 years of property taxes and we have a twelve thousand dollar demo lien now one of the years was three thousand we paid 10 years of property taxes so the city wouldn't foreclose so that one year is legally not collectible we don't have to pay that so that saves us three thousand then the demo lien god i hope the city doesn't look this up the demo lien falls off next year because <laughs> it's good for 10 years right. hopefully the city won't renew it so make sure nobody in charlotte city is listening to this so our effective purchase price will be about six thousand five hundred if that that, right, those other two work out. Yeah, those other things work out. Um, and the property's gone so much in value. We got a good deal for it. It's gone so much because, again, it's in the path of progress. Right now, we can get somewhere around 120 ish, maybe even higher for that property, which we paid $500 initially for it. And we're using the judgment sort of as financing. And we're going to try to wait out the, the, the demo lien from the city. And they can't collect on that, that $3,000 worth of taxes. So that's. Right. So our, 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 if everything goes right, our effective purchase price will be 6500 for that lot. That's crazy. You know, so these margins are huge. Yeah. It, I it, mean, you got to recognize, like, that's abnormal, right? They, they yeah. It's because it's, it's part of it is, well, we've held the properties too for these. These were bought in 2017 and 2018. Yeah. So we've, we've held them and, and it's in the path of progress. But yeah, the, the margins are huge. You know, I can tell you some more. <laughs> land deals that you know uh yeah we're getting ready to do we got another one too that um um trying to think which one so we did the the variances that we've done done real well on um oh this this is this is another interesting one too like always looking for value adds and this is what i want people to get is is problems and value adds 
So we got this one lot that we ended up buying for 62000 And it was a uh, uh, property tax delinquent owned by a dead person. Okay. So <laughs> two of the three. Two of the three. And the lot was vacant. So that's sort of what the, the uncle called trifecta. So we, we, we searched it down. There's 13 heirs. Anyways, it took us a year to get this deal. Going back and forth and chase and that girl Emily, which I shouldn't say her name, the girl that stole the deal from me, yeah. the other deal, she was trying she she was actually trying to steal this deal and talking to the people. And so what we did, I love this, because like they're like talking to Emily about about this deal and she's 19 years old i don't care if she sues me but anyways <laughs> so she was talking to him about because she's supposed to be working with us you know she's right. going around us trying to steal everything and um or at least allegedly let's say allegedly so yeah, that i can't get you. sued yeah, yeah. so this emily girl who's 19 um is negotiating Whose last name rhymes with <laughs> <laughs> south okay but anyways so this, this emily person is negotiating with them and so we're like and so we even tried to bring her in the deal. So look, this is our deal. We'll give you half of the deal. Just work with us. Just no, nope. this is my deal. So that sort of made us mad because we'd showed her the deal, how to do the stuff. So we called up the people and we said, hey, you know what? You know, uh, by the way, she's 19. We're training her and we're not trying to say anything bad about it, but we're the end buyer. We have cash. We'll show you we have cash, you know, and we're good at this kind of stuff. And they're like, okay, we're going to go with you. So she ended right. up getting zero on that deal. So, anyways, back to the deal is 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 we we got the deal for sixty two thousand. Then we noticed there's another piece right next to it that's that on the corner. So I, I got slides I can show you. But so we got this one piece, and we're like, okay, we got this other piece here. What if we buy this other piece? Can we subdivide it into four facing the other road? Okay, we went down to the zoning. They're like, yeah, you can subdivide this into four lots. So we bought this one lot for sixty-two thousand. We bought the lot next to it for one sixty-eight, full retail, okay. And because we knew we could get four lots out of it, and then we, uh, Amy, who's uh, works with Nestle Realty, brought us a buyer. We sold it for four hundred thirty-three thousand, and our net, what was our net on that? God, I can't remember. Like a hundred one sixty-eight or something. We made on the after holding costs and everything um on that property now here's a little thing too is like we 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 got it so it could be subdivided into four but there's a rule in charlotte and you got to really know your zoning stuff so we were told the guy hey the guy said look you can get four lots out of it. he goes yeah i can but he's if i subdivide into four it becomes a minor subdivision i have to put sidewalks curbs and gutters so i'm just going to subdivide it into three so we, we learned from from him and, and and uh even though it could be subdivided into four he decided to do it in three anything and, more than three yeah, is 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 becomes a minor subdivision, and there's there's some extra stuff you have to do to it. So we learned we learned that from the builder. Right. He told us that. So good thing we didn't sub try to subdivide it and sell it that way. Right. But that was, that's another value add. You know, d- does it happen very often? No, but we're, we're always looking for what if we can combine this? Can we subdivide it? You know, and we're always looking for that value add out there. Right. Step back. Look at the whole picture. Look at our surroundings. Look at what you know. Constantly trying to think of what you could do to yeah yeah. Um, let me ask you this: If you could go back and talk to day one you, what advice would you give yourself? Wow, um, there's so many different things. Um, I think when I f- couple things, when I failed in the real estate 
would have been to get back in. You know, in other words, like don't like you learn a lot from failure. One of the things is like you're going to fail, but learn from that and and keep persevering. I think that would be one of the things. Uh, it, it helps to deal with people that have deep pockets. That's probably another thing. Um, and don't, I, I guess I used to get so nervous and emotionally caught up in these deals that it got in the way of making good decisions. Uh, so somehow take your emotions out of stuff and, and not to worry as much that there's, I spent a lot of time worrying about things that hurt. So I, I guess, and then, and probably in retrospect, try to hold a lot more stuff than I sold in the right, you know, um, because things have, we sold a lot of stuff, made a lot of money, but they've gone up like crazy amounts. I, I wish I would have <laughs> held more stuff. Right. You know, like, you know, this is like looking back, you know, looking back is like uh, a lot of the deals we sold three and four years ago have doubled and, you know, stuff like that. So it might have been like refinancing and pulling out the cash and keeping some stuff. You may have like a half a million dollar best deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot. A lot of deals we sold that have, they're double now, you know, just from 2017. Yeah. You know, um, so I would probably try to hold more, but now it's a little bit different. I don't know that we're going to continue to see the appreciation. I think we will. So I think that's a little bit dangerous uh, thing, but, but just going back, um, that's probably the main things I would tell myself. Keep learning. And and don't go in the used car business with your ex girlfriend. That seems like a good note. That's, to end yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Although you know what's funny is uh, she lives like when things got. She bought my house, okay. So she lives there, and I uh, I rent a house across the street. But we've got uh, three dogs that we share. So we I have a uh, we got a joint non court order joint custody of three dogs, <laughs> and we're friends again. I go across the street and take care of the dogs, and you know, but uh, it's all cordial. Again. It's cordial yeah, again, yeah, yeah. you know. But um, so I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't go into, you know, I would never gotten out of the car business, you know, the business. I never got into the car business. I was would have said stay in in real estate, you know. Well, that seems like a good note to end on. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Cool. Thanks for coming on. Where can people find you? Um, I'm gonna give out my phone number. Text me. Uh, uh, well, I'll give you my, my, my personal one. Okay. 704-995-5385. Again, 704-995-5385. Go ahead and text me. Uh, we have Uncle Carl and Friends Mastermind Group. Um, and we got the podcast, Uncle Carl and what is it? Uncle Carl's Crazy Real Estate yeah, Stories. Yeah, Uncle Carl's Crazy Real Estate Stories. And also, um... Yeah, or 704-777-777. Leave a message because we don't answer that. <laughs> We're going to think you're calling for a taxi. Um, so, yeah, reach out to me. We, we do joint venture. We're a little bit disorganized. We're getting better, but we like to joint venture. People have a deal. You know, we, we do – I didn't get to get in. We do everything from, you know, buying partial interest, excess proceeds, uh, anything weird, deals we, we like to do. So we're, we're looking for people to bring us stuff that we can joint venture with. So. Send your deals to Carl. Hit him up. Send them to Uncle Carl. <laughs> Uncle Carl. All right, man. Thanks. Take it easy. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening this week. If uh, you want to show some support, please head on over to mpgpodcast.com. Check out the awesome merch we have on there. Um, and also subscribe and comment wherever you listen to this. Uh, that does a huge things for pushing us up on the algorithm, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, whatever it is, whatever platform you use, go right now, go subscribe. 
go comment, help push us up. And also, please share us on your social media. Um, the more listens we get, the more I can bring, uh, more guests I can bring in, the more value I can bring you guys. So thanks so much. It's a total team effort. I appreciate all the support. And I uh, hope you all have a great week. See you guys next week. Mm-hmm.